End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. You know, these may not be the end days, but they'll certainly do until the end days get here. The real truth. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show. A place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. My guest tonight is James Fetzer, a former Marine Corps officer. He has published widely on the theoretical foundations of scientific knowledge, computer science, artificial intelligence, cognitive science, and evolution and mentality. He has received many awards and forms of recognition for his teaching and scholarship. McKnight Professor Emeritus at the University of Minnesota Duluth. He has also conducted extensive research into the assassination of JFK, the events of 9-11, and many others. Once again, thank you for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Always an honor and pleasure to be here. Don't forget, you could call into the program at 760-332-8724 or on Skype, end of days, Mike. That's all together, and that's a letter Y and not an I. Now, plenty to discuss here tonight with Mr. James Fetzer. Let's bring him in. I believe he is waiting. Mr. Fetzer, how are you? Fine, Michael. How are you tonight? I'm good. Were you listening to the music there? No, no, I didn't hear any of it. Oh, I thought you might have been listening in. No, I would have liked, but uh, I thought you were going to pull me in. It doesn't matter. We're good. We're good. Ah, okay, we're good. perfect, perfect. The last time you were here a few months back, all sorts of things have happened since your appearance here. Yes. Yeah, especially with um, our interviews. They've been pulled down again. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah, it's this just... I, they keep <laughs> doing it. They keep <laughs> doing it, Jim. Ridiculous. I mean, there's this great fear of truth. I mean, any anyone who exposes anything the mainstream's been pushing as as fabricated or false, they're 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 deleted, they're suppressed, they're removed. This is unbelievable. You know, it really is. I was quite spe- uh, skeptical on the reasons why it it might have occurred. It listed uh, it, it listed um the video for bullying. The video for which? Uh, the reason it got pulled was because of bullying. It said. Oh yeah, they just make that up. They're just using that. In other words, if you expose that they're they're lying about Sandy Hook, you see, that's bullying. By taking for granted that, in fact, the official story is true, they use that as a standard. And therefore, if you're contesting it when they know it's true, uh, that that's bullying, you see, or harassment. That's that's the angle. That's the way they're playing it. Ridiculous. It is. It's truly sad. But. Jim, let, let's go into your background here, since lots of uh, newer souls are tuning into the program, and this will probably be the first time they've ever heard of you. Oh, you want me to give a sketch? Well, okay. I uh, uh, Longer the short, 
I graduated magna cum laude from Princeton in philosophy when Princeton was number one in the world in philosophy. I was commissioned a Marine Corps officer at graduation, I served four years, resigned my commission as a captain to enter graduate school, turn a PhD in the history and the philosophy of science. So my first position in 1970 was at the University of Kentucky. I subsequently taught, I stepped on too many toes and subsequently taught at Virginia twice. They brought me back again later. Cincinnati, North Carolina, Chapel Hill, New College of the University of South Florida. Uh, I did a year studying computer science and artificial intelligence, a special program at Wright State for PhDs in linguistics and philosophy before being hired as a full professor with tenure on the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota in 1987 and spent 19, last 19 years of a 35-year career there. I taught mostly courses in logic, critical thinking, and scientific reasoning. I preferred longer classes on Tuesday, Thursday, which most of my colleagues did not. So I had lots of time for research. I published 24 academic books since my retirement, but slightly overlapping. I've now published another dozen on conspiracy subjects, four on JFK, two on 9-11, where I founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth and Others on Paul Wellstone, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, uh, Charlottesville. I'm now finishing editing a book on Parkland. I got one on Las Vegas in the works. Uh, but, you know, I actually uh, regard the work I'm doing on conspiracies as the most important work of my of my life, Michael. So I'm very glad to be in the position of devoting myself to this. Because actually sorting it out requires a special background and ability, though I've been just a, a marvelous. I've been tremendously impressed by how many other citizen scholars, you know, little mini investigative journalists are right. popping up all over the place. There's a lot. Yeah, I have a, a good friend by the name of Preston James, who has a Ph.D. in social psychology, who's just published a new book on at moonrockbooks.com, which I founded with Mike Palachek after Amazon began banning books, including Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, but subsequently they banned a second of mine, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either. Uh, at the request of the ADL, which asked him to take a new broom and sweep out any books that challenge the official narrative of the Holocaust, and in 2017 they they wiped out, I don't know, a minimum of 200 books. And because the moon book not only has four chapters on the moon landing hoax, of which I've done more since, four on the death and replacement of Paul McCartney, two on the first death of Saddam Hussein, two on the second death of Osama bin Laden. It also had four on the Holocaust, which are extremely good by three of the world's leading experts and myself, Thomas Dalton, who published the Holocaust debate has a wonderful chapter. Robert Forasson, who is perhaps the world's leading uh, uh, historical revisionist when it comes to this era in relation to World War II. And Nick Kohlerstrom, <coughs> who's an historian of science in the UK and the leading expert on the London 7-7 subway attacks, which he, he cracked by discovering that the train from Luton, that the four young Muslim lads who had apparently been lured into participating in a drill, at the very same tube stops uh, where the explosions took place had been unable to arrive at the scene of the crimes in a timely fashion because the train from Luton had been canceled that day, but they were blamed for it nevertheless. Has published a book called uh, 
Breaking the Spell. That's a wonderful book, brilliant, very thoroughgoing, supplements the research of the International Committee of the Red Cross, which had been keeping meticulous records on all the camps uh, of those who died by their age, their sex, their nationality, their ethnicity, their religion, uh, the cause of death. And in 1993, they did a recalibration. Uh, Their total figure for all of the camps combined was 296,081, none of whom died from being put to death in a gas chamber. In fact, they were using uh, a Zyklon B to de-louse the inmates uh, to kill the body lice because they were spreading typhus and dysentery. These were actually labor camps, and you can't get any work out of a corpse. There's so much evidence that substantiates this, Michael, that it's almost beyond belief that anyone continues to believe it, but it's backed by an enormous propaganda machine because the whole Holocaust mythology was used to justify the founding of the state of Israel. And now, you know, no one who's a proponent of Israel wants to acknowledge that it was actually a a fabricated pretext, that it isn't supported by historical or empirical evidence. In fact, it turns out that the uh, the six million, uh, the figure, uh, appears 236 times before the Nuremberg Tribunals. That is to say, stories in the international press about six million Jews being in dire straits or fear of loss of their life beginning in 1890, obviously totally independent of anything that did or did not happen in Germany during World War II, where the true source and origin of the number appears to be a disputed passage in Leviticus has been interpreted as meaning that the chosen people can return to the promised land only when they're minus six million who have been consumed in the flames. But even that requires interpolation, Michael, because there was no word in the original Hebrew for six million. By the way, we've never really talked about uh, this subject uh, extensively. Well, here it is. And and then I have a summary overview. When I started to dig into it, I found it just fell apart effortlessly. Uh, you can find, uh, you know, that, of course, my chapter is in the book, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, but also on my blog, you can find the Holocaust narrative, politics, Trump science. Turns out that uh, this Zyklon B interacts with the walls of these chambers and turns them blue. And if you go to the camps, the only chambers that turned blue were where they were using Zyklon B for de-lousing. It's a very mild form of uh, cyanide. And they were, you know, it was being used for medicinal purposes. Uh, uh, turns out that in the uh, Ernst Zundel trials held in, Cal- in Canada in 1985 and 1988, that during the first trial, the prosecution was a, unable to produce a single witness to testify to any prisoners having been put to death in gas chambers, uh, which meant, of course, you know, the, there, wasn't any, there wasn't any evidence to support it, where he was being tried for being a Holocaust denier. Uh, and then at the second trial, uh, the defense uh, produced an expert uh, who is the leading expert on gas chambers in the United States who traveled to Germany and visited several camps and came back with a copious report. I think it was 135 pages long and a dozen samples demonstrating conclusively that none of the facilities were suitable to function as a gas chamber. This was, his name was Fred Lochter. But, so that the, the Lochter report mm-hmm. became a sensational part of the second trial and ought to have put the quiet 
quietus to the very end to the whole idea of there having been gas chambers because there weren't any gas chambers. Nothing, none of the facilities could have functioned as a gas chamber. Just to clarify, are, are you saying that the Holocaust never happened at all? There were I'm no not saying camps. that we didn't have the horrors of World War II. I'm not saying that millions of people didn't die, including large numbers of Jews. I'm saying right. the claim that, that it consists of three theses, and I'm very explicit about this in the article. The gas that chambers, six million, yes. That six million Jews were put to death in, in concentration camps designed for that purpose using gas chambers with Zyklon B is false. All three of those elements are false. And taking this stance, have you faced any sort of backlash? Because it is very controversial to even talk about this subject that we're we're doing now. Yeah, that's bizarre. Well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, we, I, I, I organized a, a, a conference on academic freedom. It was 2014, as I recall, on the campus of the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. And, and we had what, uh, half a dozen speakers and the topic was academic freedom. Are there limits to inquiry where we use JFK 9-11 and the Holocaust as examples? And when I began doing research on the Holocaust, I was just dumbfounded by how effortless it was to sort it out and to prove that it was uh, a, a, a myth, an illusion. I mean, this is not difficult to sort out, uh, Michael, if you just go about doing it systematically. And I discovered when I returned that my wiki, Wikipedia entry, which is very, very substantial. What happened not there? Not only about my academic career, but about my conspiracy research, quite a lot about all the research I've engaged in, all this being collaborative. For example, working with the best, the world, the, 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 a world expert on the human brain who was also an expert on wound ballistics, a PhD in physics, who was also board certified in radiation oncology, which is the treatment of cancer using x-ray therapy. So he's also an MD and an expert on interpretation of x-rays, a physician who was actually in trauma room number one when JFK's moribund body was brought in, and then two days later was responsible for the care and treatment of his alleged assassin. I mean, I brought together the best experts on different aspects of all these cases. Yes, that's what you and do. He, he, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all this was being reported in my Wikipedia entry. Actually, it was very, very good. Talked about a concise summary of my work on JFK, 9-11. I founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth in December of 2005, invited Stephen Jones to be my co-chair. I was the keynote speaker when Alex Jones organized his American Scholars Conference in Los Angeles. So I've been flown around the world to give lectures about 9/11. Jim, let me Jim, let me just stop you there and say I definitely want to get you uh, in here with uh, Richard Gage one day, but I don't think he'll accept that offer. No, I don't think he will. That's sad. I really wish he would. I'll, I'll elaborate, but uh, see, architects and engineers, unfortunately, has taken a low road. I regard them as a limited hangout, meaning they're willing mm. to go part of the way in order to conceal the rest of the way, right. and it's a deliberate strategy. So they'll talk about Building 7, uh, but they won't even explain what happened to Building 1 and 2, the North and the South Tower. They claim it was done using nanothermite, but I published three articles in 2011 with T. Mark Hightower, who's a chemical engineer, where we demonstrated that that was preposterous, that nanothermite only has one-thirteenth the explosive force of TNT, which is the universal standard. So in other words, 
it would have taken 13 times as much nanothermite as it would TNT to blow apart buildings. It's really incapable of doing it and therefore would have had to be supplemented by something that was powerful. Uh, and therefore, in response to our explanation that it cannot have been done by nanothermite, they say, well, something else was involved. And I say, well, what was it? Because the same thing is true of toothpaste. It's non-explosive, but it could be combined with something that would make it explosive. What it means is all these years later, and they have scarfed up the lion's share of donations from the public. I mean, they have taken the money and produced next to nothing. I mean, everyone knows Building 7 is anomalous. It was a classic controlled demolition. you got all the floors coming down at the same time, perfectly symmetrical, virtually at free fall. There's a, a pile of debris equal to about 12% of the height of the original 47 floors or five and a half floors. That's all typical of a controlled demolition. Jan, Danny Jawenko, who is a Dutch expert on, on controlled demolitions, was shown footage of Building 7 without being told that it was from 9-11 and said, of course, this was done by professionals. I mean, this was obviously a controlled demolition. Even on 9-11, Dan Rather was talking about the building coming down like the casinos and resorts we see come down by controlled demolitions in Las Vegas. I mean, it's obvious. Now, the Twin Towers are very different because they're blowing apart in every direction from the top down. All the floors remain stationary. Uh, so it's not a classic controlled demolition. I call it a demolition under control, but it's not classic. The buildings are being converted into millions of cubic yards of very fine dust, which, by the way, is a signature of the use of nukes that uh, materials are converted into very fine dust. And when it was over, there was nothing in the footprint. I mean, I had Father Frank Morales, who is a first responder from St. Mark's Episcopal Church, on my shows twice. And both times he emphasized how those buildings were destroyed to or even below ground level. In other words, there's no massive pile of debris, which at 12% of 110 ought to have been like 13 and a half or 14 floors of debris. Yeah, they've been classic. They were blown apart. Uh, but it wasn't a, a classic controlled demolition. Uh, they were largely converted into very fine dust, and it appears to have been done with a very sophisticated arrangement of mini or micro nukes, but architects and engineers won't go there. Here's the bottom line, Michael. Hey, that's true, though. I, I have asked Richard personally about some of those issues, and he never really clarified for me. Well, here's, here's, here's the bottom line. Ask him who is responsible and why. Yeah, they he won't, won't answer. Yeah, he like, won't answer that. I, I've asked him personally, um, off air and he didn't, he didn't get into that with me. Michael, this is a 9-11 organization. We won't even talk about who is responsible. Isn't that, I, that's what, that's what really threw me off because personally, Jim, I'm going to be honest with you here. I really like Richard a lot. I've never had a bad word to say about him. I've always enjoyed our conversations off air. And I was kind of stumped because we had this conversation before without trying to entrap him in any way. We got into this conversation and once I asked him that, that question there, he, he never got into it with me. Oh, and he won't, you know, I mean, yeah, I called odd. him out on, when he was on uh, C-SPAN, I thought it was simply ridiculous because, uh, he wouldn't talk about any, any progress beyond Building 7. And he is still talking about nanothermite. So I published an article entitled on C-SPAN, Richard Gage Leaves 9-11 Truth in a Time Warp. And I spelled out all the evidence we had, including the U.S. Geological Survey's dust studies, where they identified a host of elements present in 35 samples they'd taken from all over Manhattan that should 
would not have been present in their quantity and correlation had this not been a nuclear event, including barium and strontium, uh, 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 thorium, uranium, lithium, lanthanum, yttrium, chromium, tritium. Some of these only exist in radioactive forms, Michael. And, and they provide conclusive evidence. It was a nuclear event, but they won't, architects and engineers won't even talk about it. So, and of course it was done. And this is why they won't talk about who is responsible and why. Uh, the, the CIA, the neocons and the Department of Defense, most of whom were dual U.S. Israeli citizens and the Mossad. I mean, this was a, an Israeli op. It was intended to draw the, you know, provide a, pseudo justification for the United States to get in, engaged in these wars in the Middle East on behalf of Israel. That was the whole yes. idea. Israel, in other words, wanted to use our young men and women, our military resources and our vast treasury to benefit Israel. You know, that reminds me, there was an interesting tidbit recently in the news about firefighters who worked uh, the site on the World Trade Center. They were the first response uh, responders, and apparently they had an extra high risk of cancer, especially Oh, yeah. Yeah. Different. All kinds of multiple yeah. myeloma, myeloma, leukemia, right. esophageal, pancreatic. Some of these are fairly exotic. Uh, in fact, the estimates run as high as 70,000 when you put together the first responders and the right. residents. I'm Donna Summer even died I, from exposure. I feel so bad for the first responders and the, and the families, all of that stuff. They all inhaled. Such a yeah, toxic cloud for hours on end. Chris Whitman, who was the head of the EPA, said the air was perfectly safe to to to, to breathe. <laughs> well, that's absurd. It <laughs> really? was loaded with you know elements from all the materials that yes. had been destroyed and the but, you know, heavy metals and all this. I mean, it was toxic. It was a toxic environment. And here you had the head of the EPA. I mean, this shows you the extent to which the government is looking out for the American people. Yes, and, and those families, I, I recall there was another article recently that came out. A lawyer's committee, they were trying to get get that case reopened for investigation. Well, you see, they got it bottled up. They got, in a, they got a, a Zionist judge in Hellerstein in, in New York who bottles up all the legal cases and, you know. Yeah, they claim they got conclusive. Cover. I mean, the, the yeah. whole transfer of the World Trade Center to the hands of Larry uh, Silverstein, who, by the way, is a close friend of Bibi Netanyahu. They talk every Sunday by telephone. Yeah, that reminds me. Um, Trump brought in Mayor, former Mayor uh, Giuliani to his staff. You know, I don't like that at all. Well, I can I've never liked that. I did it because yeah. Giuliani is politically very savvy and dealing with political ish and legal issues is, well, that's is true. something he'd be good at. I can't deny complicit. that part. He was complicit in 9-11. I mean, I think so. He, he, did, he didn't even go to his own command and control center in Building 7 where Barry Jennings, who was from the New York Emergency Management Unit, went expecting, you know, to find others. Instead, he found half-eaten sandwiches, still steaming cups of coffee. A fireman came along and said, we got to get you out of there. there. He was, this is the morning of 9-11. He was witnessing explosions going off in the building. The stairwell was blown out from under him. At one point, he felt himself stepping over bodies. Uh, when he got out, uh, he did several interviews, uh, which are still available online. Uh, but, I mean, he was a witness to all the prepping they were doing on Building 7, which was a extraordinarily... Well-designed building, Michael. It was erected over two enormous electrical generators, providing electricity for lower Manhattan. It was designed to never collapse. Just to give you one illustration, even in the Twin Towers, the massive beams, and they went from six inches thick in the sub-basement up to five, four, and so forth, which were designed with a 
safety factor of 20. In other words, each of the floors was designed to hold 20 times the expected load it would bear when it was filled with furniture and, and, and working personnel and so forth. Uh, they used hollowed out steel beams, which are nearly as strong as solid. But in building seven, they used solid steel beams that weren't hollowed out at all. Yeah, and many, I, I, many, I, I, I believe, mm-hmm. I believe building seven was the most robust building ever designed by the hand of man. Many eyewitnesses too clearly thought that they were watching, uh, these buildings explode. Well, one and two, sure. Not, yeah. not seven. Seven had these very modest fires and the, NIST even didn't even mention Building Seven when the when the original reports were done on uh, by the 9/11 Commission. Building Seven wasn't even cited, which is incredible. But of course, I mean, it collapsed seven hours after the North Tower, and even the BBC mucked it up because James Stanley, who was reporting at 4:57, said that the Solomon Brothers building had collapsed which was another name for Building 7 because the Solomon Brothers owned a big chunk of floors there. In fact, it was so robust, they even redesigned the interior of the building to their satisfaction. What a weird and, situation, right? It, it kind of stinks. Well, you could see it's over very fishy. her shoulder. You could see over her left shoulder that Building 7 was still standing. It didn't collapse until 520. So here she was announcing the collapse of a building that wouldn't happen for 23 more minutes. It's one of the... Maybe the the preeminent gaffe in the you know lack of coordination between the intel agencies and the mainstream media and delivering a story and getting it botched. Yeah, I truly believe this was a false flag. I think oh. that's kind of kind oh. of um it's kind of a fact by this point. And I, I got to tell you, I, <laughs> no doubt. I, I got to tell you, James. I've talked to uh, various people with different uh, high level clearances. And they've told me they were involved in false flag operations, and they said this, no doubt, was just another one. 100% correct, absolutely. They had a group of Israeli art students, actually, Mossad, who were in the buildings. They were even doing ex- what they call performance art external to the buildings. I believe they set up to create the 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 cutouts in the sides of the buildings. Uh, the, you know, as a, the planes were uh, holographic projections. They didn't actually ha- – that's why there were no collision effects between the planes as they entered the buildings and the buildings. They should have crumbled. Had they been real planes, they would have crumbled external to the buildings. Uh, in the case of the South Tower, the Flight 173, which wasn't actually physically present, was intersecting eight different floors, each of which consisted of a steel truss connected at one end to the core columns, at the other end to the external steel support columns, which are quite massive and formidable in and of themselves, and then filled with four to eight inches of concrete, the variance, because the trusses had V-shaped grooves that were four inches deep. So some places the concrete would be four and others it would taper to eight. On 208 feet aside, Michael, that means each floor represented an acre of concrete on a steel truss, and there were eight of them. Uh, that would pose enormous horizontal resistance. So the plane, which came in at this angle, intersecting with eight of these floors, would have crumpled external to the building. Bodies, seats, wings, tail, and so forth would have fallen to the ground. We have photographs beneath of the of the roadway and the sidewalk beneath those facades, and there's nothing there, no airplane parts at all. What they did was use a very sophisticated form of holographic projection, the existence of which wasn't known at the time. I mean, this is very, very typical where military technology is 
20 or 30 years ahead of what the public is aware. That's funny, you, <laughs> that's funny you say that because I just had on uh, Dr. Albert Taylor who worked on anti-ballistic missile system that he helped design. And at one point of the conversation, he told me we had technology back then that was 40 to 50 years ahead of what the general population had at the time. Well, there you go. See, only recently, this is like um, in the last two months, they released that they have a new form of holographic projection that doesn't require any surface. It can do on the tiny particles that are in the atmosphere that serve as a temporary screen. And that's what they did because the argument that was given at the time when I argued by elimination that it had to have been holographic was that they were unaware of any mode of holographic projection that didn't require a surface. So they were thinking it could have been a guided missile that was cloaked or whatever, but in fact, uh, that's not the case. It turns out they were simply using this more sophisticated form of projection. But my my argument was impeccable. I mean, there are only three alternatives. That it was CGI, uh, uh, the Web Ferry, uh, now departed Rosalie Grable advocated that theory. Then there was... Ace Baker has argued for video compositing where they add the image of the plane before they broadcast, but you've already taken the original footage. And then I argued for a holographic on the ground that if it were CGI or video compositing, then the only time you would have seen the plane would be in the video broadcast. There would be no real-time visibility or reports of having seen the plane, and yet we have hundreds of reports of having seen a plane approach. Now, they differ in their description. But uh, there are plenty of those reports, and that wouldn't have happened if it had been CGI or video compositing. Ergo, it had to be holographic. And uh, the fact is that the, the plane was traveling faster than would be possible aerodynamically for a Boeing 767 to maintain the integrity of the projection. And it was 1,200 feet to the side, and it flew right by the building while it flew the image into the building. So there were no collision effects, and uh, they even had a a nose-out phenomenon, oddly enough, that where the networks went to black, fade to black, as soon as they saw this nose-out, meaning the networks had to be in on it because otherwise they would have realized that there was a problem with the projection and the nose had come through when it would have been crumpled and destroyed inside the building so that it was giving away the technology and you have this fade to black. I mean, you're talking about historic footage, presumably being taken spontaneously in real time, and, and yet they fade to black because there's a technical glitch they could only have been aware of had they been in on it. By the way, how do you feel about the work of Susan Lindauer? Oh, I'm a big fan of Susan. We had some, we've had some falling out over, I don't know, Las Vegas. Really? Or she well, believes people. She believes mm-hmm. people really died there. We were able to prove that nobody died there. Nobody died at Sandy Hook, but Susan. I don't know. I mean, I don't regard her as a particularly gullible person. Well, she seemed to like you when I brought her on. Yeah, well, I like her a lot. Uh, She was a CIA liaison to Saddam Hussein, who was so eager to avoid war with the United States that he offered to buy a million cars a year for the next 10 years. And then as she was adding, uh, leaving, he added, if that's not enough, make it 20. Just imagine where we'd be if we'd accepted Saddam's proposal. And to buy a million cars a year from Detroit for 20 years. I mean, you know, because automobile sales have, uh, you know, production has multiplier effects because using rubber for tires, leather for upholstery, stereo components and all that. 
it actually benefits a very wide range of uh, economic uh, resources, unlike military, classic equipment for tanks, for example, very specialized. These are only a tiny number of companies, and it doesn't have a multiplier effect, which is why increasing military spending doesn't actually benefit the economy economically. It just is more money going into deep pockets of a very narrow segment of specialized industries. Yes, we'll, we'll get into the Vegas shooting in a moment here, but I did want to ask you a little bit about the um, Sandy Hook situation, Alex Jones facing a lawsuit. Um, it makes me worry a little bit uh, about you. You might be next. You might be targeted next um, for a, a lawsuit, not, Jim. Uh, Michael, they're not going to target me. You don't think I'm so? God, I do all this scientific research. I, You know, remember, I spent 35 years teaching logic, critical thinking, and scientific reasoning. I'm not going to go out on a limb here. I bring in experts in areas where I'm not myself expert. I've been doing this for all these years, since 1992. I published all these books. I produce a mass of evidence. Now, what's peculiar and troubling about this with Alex Jones is we know the lawsuits being brought against him are malicious. I have a blog. You can check it out. April 18th. I'm looking at it right now because I expected we would get here. April 18th, right. 2018 at jamesfetzer.blogspot.com. Sandy Hook, how we know the lawsuits against Alex Jones are malicious. I show you part of the FEMA manual for the drill. I tell you how we know it was a, a drill. I t show you the fo stage photograph of the kids being led to safety in the earlier photograph so we know it was staged. I show you a photograph of the crime scene vehicle there be before the crime is committed. I show you photographs of how we know that and how they fake the shooting. I show you the phony death certificate that Lenny Posner gave to Kelly Watt for Noah which is the bottom half of a reel, the top half of a fake, doesn't have a file number, has the wrong estimated time of death of 11 a.m. when the shooting took place officially between 9.35 and 9.40. I show you how they fake Noah Posner out of photographs of Michael Vabner, who is officially his older stepbrother when he was younger. In other words, there is no Noah Posner. He was a fiction made out of photographs. I show you a photograph of eight of the Sandy Hook girls live and well that Wolfgang Helbig has produced had authenticated by a photographic expert. I show you Neil Haslin, who was the second of the Sandy Hook parents bringing this when he was testifying to Congress. And what's interesting about this, he brought this big frame photograph of him with his son, Jesse. Okay, now Jesse's less than a year old now. He was six when the shooting took place, right? And now after the shooting, this is maybe a year later. So you're looking at this photograph of Neil Haslin with the Jesse, uh, and it's seven years later, but Neil Haslam looks hugely older than that, like he's at least 17 years older, not just seven. And that's because there was this 10-year gap. Basically, the kids were 10 years older than they were presented in the photographs. So, you know, it's very, very interesting. The point, this all being a total sham, uh, I've got the book about it with 13 contributors. We proved the school was closed by 2008. There were no students there. The whole thing was a total sham. I've provided all of this to Alex Jones. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, yeah. And what happened? Well, no, did, did respond. In fact, no Jerry responded. Corsi, I went to Jerry Corsi. I know Jerry Corsi. And said, Jerry, look, we got all this good stuff. Alex wants to use it to blow him out of the water. And Jerry Corsi gave me kind of a cordial brush off, which I thought was pretty damn peculiar. Uh, uh, and Alex, see, here's my fear. And I, I'm pulling up the, the blog where I, I lay it out because this is very, very important. 
Uh, I'm worried that Alex is going to take a fall. In other words, he's going to deliberately lose the case. It looks to me like they're trying to pile on to take out others who are doing research on Sandy Hook and make it look as though Alex is the leader on Sandy Hook so they can take him out, that he'll concede he was wrong about Sandy Hook, and then they'll claim that shows that all the uh, conspiracy research on Sandy Hook was mistaken when nothing like that is the case. In fact, the opposite is is what's going on. Here it is, April 21st. Is Alex Jones about to betray his followers in the conspiracy research community? Mm -hmm. I'm laying it all out there. Yes, I see the article now. My and goodness. notice you go down and you see, look right there. Do you see that first image from the Sandy Hook update? Tracy loses, Wolfgang wins, the deep state strikes back, which is available on BitChute, by the way. Everyone needs to know that YouTube has betrayed us. They're taking down all kinds of videos. They are. Yeah. Oh, of course. Oh, yes. By the hundreds, whole, whole channels, frequently after people have interviewed me, Michael. I'm so afraid. you beware. I, yeah. But, but look, I show that one photograph right there that blows the whole case out of the water. Just a photograph of an exit. It's a wooden stairway that no wheelchair could navigate. And the reason that is devastating is because the laws related to Americans with disability in Connecticut and the federal government in 2012 required that every entrance and exit be wheelchair accessible. So this this school building wasn't compliant with the ADA, which means it could not have been legally operating as a public school in Connecticut in 2012. Just that one photograph proves it already. By the way, let, let's get into the um, email you sent me earlier, James Tracy versus FAU. Oh, yeah. Well, what, what, what can that, you tell me about that, that situation? Well, well, that's a blog where I interviewed his attorney. Let, let me just add, by the way, uh, Michael, we, we have a, must have a hundred different proofs that Sandy Hook is a fraud. I mean, that's a conservative estimate, okay? A hundred. And I'd even go so far as to say, we got a hundred proofs that each and of, uh, of them by themselves shows it was a hoax. For example, we got uh, David Wheeler, who is a grieving father, but also played a SWAT team member. And he was walking up and down Dickinson Drive holding an AR-15 upside down by the magazine. Now, that's just ludicrous. I, as a Marine Corps officer uh, for a year, supervised recruit training in San Diego. I had 15 DIs and 300 recruits under my command going through the training cycle, including marksmanship training. The lowest ranking recruit would not commit the blunder of carrying a weapon upside down by the magazine. The magazines are designed to be rapidly inserted and rapidly removed. It would invariably come loose. The weapon would fall to the ground, running the risk of damaging the weapon, but it's just a colossally stupid thing to do. No one who is a real SWAT team member would be this it lacking in knowledge, this ignorant about firearms. So, you know, he's walking up and down Dickinson Drive carrying an AR-15 upside down by the magazine. Yeah, that was a little weird. Not just weird. It was absurd. I mean, it was just absurd. He didn't know what he was doing. And so here he is, you know, eager beaver. He has some acting credits. His wife, Francine, has acting credits. She actually did the voice in an animated porn feature. Jesus. He turned out to be the personal assistant to the to the... DNC's biggest money maker, Maureen White, who made 51, raised 51 mil in one year for the DNC. I mean, see, this is all a Democratic Party thing. That's when you get up to Parkland. Parkland was a Democratic Party campaign event. The March for Our Lives was a Democratic Party uh, recruiting, you know, voter recruitment effort. The whole thing was totally political. No one died at any of these events, and they were staged in different ways. It was 
really, once you dig into it deeply enough, you see totally atrocious. But, I mean, you know, it's because the mainstream is in on this that that the most people don't understand. I mean, how badly they're being scammed. I think the American people deserve the truth. And the mainstream media has just become another organ of propaganda and disinformation for the deep state. Yeah, and that's really the problem that we face in 2018. We really never truly know who is being honest and who is deceiving us. It's a it terrible had, situation way, now. If Alex does uh, take a fall, which I'm predicting, uh, he will thereby consign himself to the Internet Hall of infamy, infamy in perpetuity. In other words, he's not even worth pissing on if he does this. If he does as I'm projecting, he's, he's barf. He's a giant pile of barf. He's also been fighting with the ex-wife very, yeah, very publicly too. It's it's and these, very nasty. These, some some of us suspect that his wives are his handlers. They're they're Jewish. I won't be surprised if they're Mossad. Okay, and of course he never does talk about Israel or his complicity in nine eleven. It's a subject he avoids completely. That's true. I don't think he's very he's talked at length about that. I mean, I think he's done a lot of good work over the years, but I mean, you know, if he's going to betray the the 9/11, I mean, the, the you know, conspiracy research by taking a fall, and they're trying to set it up. See, they, these are some of the signs: is they're trying to take down everyone else's work, so it looks as though later on, when he takes the fall, if the public goes to look, they're only going to find Alex working on Sandy Hook, and it's just absurd. James Tracy, in my opinion, didn't do enough with the book, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, to which he was a contributor early enough. I think if he made it a centerpiece of his defense early enough, if anyone in the media had picked up on it, but of course they weren't going to do that anyway, so it would probably have been in vain. Now, you're talking about this interview. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I did. Well, I was guest hosting on the Power Hour. Oh, okay. And I was able to bring in uh, a guest with each of the two hours. And the first hour, I brought in Oli Domagard, who's uh, an expert on false flag attacks. Oli's gotten so good, he's able to predict the next where the next one will be based upon clues left at the last one. He's done this several times. So I had Oli on the first hour. And then I had Louis Leo IV come on the second, where he'd been James' attorney. And this actually is quite a fascinating interview. Let me tell everyone where you can find it. April sure. 25th, research on Sandy Hook, James Tracy versus FAU, quote, a very dangerous precedent. Because this is stifling freedom of speech, freedom of research, freedom of inquiry by a university faculty member. Now, they're supposed to be the ones doing it. So if you won't even let the faculty, you know, deal with these controversial cases, you know, you leave it up to the riffraff. You're leaving it up to the ops. You're leaving it up to the deep state, the CIA manipulators. And by the way, at the end of that, you find the, the, the bit shoot, uh, my overview about Sandy Hook, which is really very thorough. This might be the best one I've done yet. Uh, Sandy Hook update, Tracy loses, Wolfgang wins, deep state fights, strikes back. Very nice. Now, someone wanted me to ask you about Parkland and, of course, uh, David Hogg. Yeah. What, what's sure. your opinion on, on David Hogg first? <sighs> Who's controlling him? That's what I want to know. Because these are not his thoughts. His dad is FBI, and he's, he's a crisis management specialist. This tells me he was the consultant on uh, on Parkland. Uh, David Hogg, there's several interesting aspects of David Hogg. Uh, we have the video he took inside the school. Thanks, Eric. When the, when the shooting was still taking, allegedly still taking place, but actually – uh, by I think it was uh, 3.13 when he claims to identify Nicholas Cruz as the shooter, who wouldn't actually be identified for 30 minutes more. 
Cruz has actually long since left the building, you know, according to all the indicators we have available. Now, not only that, but it appears he was actually at home when all this took place. And then he got on his bicycle and rode over to yeah, school. Yeah, that, that's what I heard him say himself. Yeah, well, he did an interview with CBS six hours after the he gave his talk at the March for Our Lives, which, right. by the way, was planned six months in advance. You have to do that for these big events in Washington, D.C. The mayor has a special task force. So they had to be applying like back in August in order to do this event on March 24th, which was officially inspired by the shooting on February 14th. Well, you can only be, you know, submitting a letter of intent for an event six months in the future based upon another future event that when you know the other future event is in the works. I mean, the whole thing is a sham. The key players were Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was the producer, and Dina Katz, who's a, a Jewish Hollywood producer. Uh, Debbie, of course, is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. <clears throat> it turns out the sheriff of Broward County is himself another Jew, the first Jewish sheriff of Broward County, who campaigned by quoting the Talmud which is, of course, an incredibly racist uh, document that uh, espouses Jewish superiority where the Jews are so superior to other human beings, as superior to other human beings as human beings in general are superior to animals, that the Jews are entitled to abuse the non-Jews, collectively referred to as the goyim, by, you know, lying, cheating, stealing, even killing them if it benefits the Jews. And this guy campaigned for sheriff by quoting the Talmud. Now, it's very interesting uh, that he, if four of the deputies didn't enter the school, for which there's been a lot of criticism, when Tucker Carlson interviewed Scott Israel, the sheriff, and asked him directly, did you order them not to enter? The sheriff refused to answer. Of course, he ordered them not to enter because the shooting that was going on was being done with what's known as simunition. Michael, this is simulated ammunition made out of beeswax and laundry detergent. So it'll sting, create a welt, but it won't penetrate the skin, which is how we can have these medical miracles. Uh, uh, several of the girls who claim to have been shot uh, are up and about within days. One supposed to have been shot in the stomach, stop, shot in the chest. Well, if it had been with an AR-15, they'd be dead. I mean, you know, but it was because it was with simunition. What, 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 one of Samantha Fuentes was shot in each of her legs, but she's out and about within a week and covering her wounds with Band-Aids. Well, interestingly, the New York Times ran a big article about the horrific damage done to legs with AR-15 bullets, not because of their size. They're a small caliber, 223, just slightly larger than a 22 caliber, but, but they're high velocity and they, they, do tremendous damage by tumbling on impact. So they'll shatter bones and rip flesh apart and all that. Very horrific. So here you have Samantha Fuentes walking about being interviewed with only Band-Aids on her AR-15 wounds. I mean, I knew something was terribly wrong. I tried to apply the principle espoused by Paul Grice of the a philosopher from Berkeley, known as the principle of charity. In other words, insofar as possible, try to make out what other people say to come out true or at least sincere. And the fact is, I think they, they sincerely believe they've been hit by AR-15 ammo, but they'd only been hit by simunition, this beeswax and Audrey detergent. So they were testifying sincerely they'd been shot, but they hadn't been shot with AR-15. And that's the reason they were medical miracles, and you could cover their wounds with Band-Aids. What a bizarre situation. So the, sheriff, the sheriff, to get to the point, the sheriff had to order the deputies not to enter because 
they weren't in on it, and they might have shot some of the players, some of the officers who were actually firing the simunition and taking them out by mistake. Did you see the security footage of that? Well, it depends which security footage you're talking about. Uh, I mean, there's one classroom scene I'm very inclined to talk about because it blows the whole thing apart. Uh, yeah, I but saw that as well. It's a 58-second clip from a classroom, uh, Michael. And, and you see the kids are screaming or crying or doing their best imitation. Well, one of them, however, is worried about her bottled water, which would be absurd if it were a real event. Uh, another is looking at her iPod. You got a kid pulling his putts. You got police in there. There's a body on the ground or what initially appears to be one. There's blood on the ground, but it's fake blood. You got an officer steps in, it walks away and there's no tracking of the blood. You look closer. It doesn't have any arms and it doesn't have a head. It's a mannequin. Not only that, but you got uh, police officers running in and out, or at least they appear to be, uh, which is a real tell. They're actors because Parkland gave up its police force in 2004 for budgetary reasons. So Parkland doesn't have any police. My goodness. <laughs> My goodness, yes. It, it, it just goes deep enough, deeper and deeper. Falls apart. It's it like really the Holocaust. does. It's it's unfortunate that these things do happen, and uh, from the sound of it, it it's they're political. They're it's, also, yes, it's another political it's driven. Uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz is a mm-hmm. disgraced head of the DNC who sabotaged Bernie Sanders' campaign. Uh, they they took thirteen primaries Bernie had won and gave them to Hillary Clinton. Uh, she was the head of the DNC when Seth Rich, their IT guy, who was a Bernie Sanders fan, became disillusioned. And shared a treasure trove of DNC emails with uh, Julian Assange by way of Craig Murray, who is UK ambassador to Uzbekistan and the head of a college. They both said they know the leaker, and the leaker wasn't Russian. Uh, after Seth was taken out, and this was pretty clearly in retaliation, uh, Julian Assange offered a $20,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of those responsible for his death. Well, I haven't any doubt that Debbie Wasserman Schultz and John Podesta called the called the shot, <laughs> literally called that Seth Rich be shot because he was betraying, uh, you know, the DNC. The whole thing is very sordid. I mean, yeah, the parents I also jail, but but, but you know, mm-hmm. I want to give you a level of specificity that you understand you know, the audience in general what was going on without overwhelming with details. No problem. Yes. And the the parents of Seth Rich also suing Fox News. I'm not sure if that's um, still currently going on. Well, why should they sue Fox News? They should be suing the DNC. They should. They should be suing John Podesta, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Fox News had nothing to do with it. I guess the parents why are. Would they, why would they sue Fox News, Michael? I mean, it's just incredibly stupid. I mean, look, we've got a report from a fourth-year resident at Washington University Center where he was taken after being shot on the street. He had non-life-threatening wounds. He had three. He had an entry and an exit and then another entry, but they weren't life-threatening, and they they did a little section on his intestine and so forth and sent him over to the ICU, but he wasn't expected to have any problems surviving. And then the place was surrounded by law enforcement officers who cut off all treatment to Seth Rich, and, I mean... uh, it was just outrageous. His fourth-year resident was just appalled. They never right. seen anyone skid like that, and he couldn't guarantee that they 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 caused they they let him die. But I tell but I'm telling you, I can guarantee it. They let him die, of course. By the way, Jim, I think there's a caller joining us right now. A caller, you are live on the air. What's going on? Hey, how you doing, Jim? How you doing, uh, Michael? Derek. Good. 
What's going on, my friend? How can we help you? Well, I this is a question. This I probably Jim's maybe the only one that might be able to answer this. I'm kind of hoping. Yeah, go ahead. Um, going going back to the 9/11 conversation. Yeah, I was. I'm just an amateur researcher, by the way, Jim. But I appreciate everything you do because I know you're probably if you're not the best, you're right up at the top. Um, but I came across this article in the Millennium Report uh, from 2010. Just give me a minute here, less than a minute. Basically, the title of the article is Woman Operatives in Very High Places. Mm. And the headline says, Peter Gate, Women Operatives in Very High Places. But here's where the kicker, uh, kicker is. Covert Anglo-American Network of Crown Agents Sisters revealed. And the article is extremely long, but it lists many prominent women that had a role in 9-11. And, uh, I don't, and they made a tremendous amount of money that probably has not ever been reported off this uh, scam. Do you know anything about this group of women, this Crown Agents uh, no, group? No, I that don't. I I'm very intrigued. Can you give me a thumbnail sketch? I'm very interested. Yeah, well, uh, are you, I, I can mean, just I email it to you or the send it to you. group, which were these Israeli Mossad agents came in as art students, and they were in the towers and doing performance art outside of the building, and I believe they prepped. Uh, maybe even using na uh, nanothermite to cut out the, you know, the, the, the images of the planes and the facades because those weren't made by planes. I mean, holographic images don't do any damage to a physical structure. So, but it, it, it's um, very just to let you know, uh, behind the smoke and the, you know, the, the, the flames of the initial, they have prepositioned Jet fuel or even napalm, uh, if you judge by the spectacular effects that was consumed in the first 15 or 20 seconds. And that seems to be when they use these little uh, charges to cut out. Though there's a fellow named yeah. Steve Dack who thinks that they actually fired uh, missiles at the building on a slant to create the impressions. Uh, I'll, I'll acknowledge we aren't 100% uh, resolved about exactly how it was done, but I'm inclined to think it was this uh, the gelatin group. The Israelis were deeply involved. They were trying to blow up the Holland Tunnel, the, the Brooklyn Bridge. They were going to blow up all the tunnels and bridges, and they were stopped by the NYPD. In other words, they stopped vans loaded with explosives that were being driven by Mossad agents on 9-11. Now, how many of you have ever heard that before? You know, I did a lot of research on the. Huh? I was going to say I did a lot of research on the Mossad Israeli. Going, I always try to go back in history, and you might recall uh, when Kennedy was the president. He one of the first things he tried to do was get rid of the illegal lobby uh, that the Israelis had established, and they were already bribing and uh, setting up the congressmen. They pretty much owned our congressmen and senators back in the sixties, and then uh, that was rumored to be one of the reasons why he was killed. What he did was require the World Jewish Congress, which is a precursor of APAC, register as a foreign agent, and no president since has had the balls to do that. So you're, exactly. you're certainly on That was a reason. Lyndon wanted to become president. He forced himself on the ticket in L.A. in 1960, threatened to expose it. Jack had Addison disease that among the women he cavorted with was an East German spy. Can you believe it, though, Jim? got from J. Can, Edgar Hoover. Can, can you believe and, it, though, Jim? Lyndon, he knew the entire time. That bastard. He was he was the principal in bringing about the assassination and used J. Edgar, you know, the FBI, to cover it up. And uh, I mean, the Joint Chiefs were in on it. They they stole a body to get it under military control. They actually physically altered the body, the the chief pathologist, James Humes, who'd never done an autopsy on a gunshot victim before, took a cranial salt of the skull of JFK and enlarged the wound that was a fist-sized blood at the back of the head, 
So it became the whole missing back of the head. I mean, they enlarged the throat wound, which is a small, clean puncture wound that Malcolm Perry had described three times as a wound of entry. He knew it up close and personal because he performed the simple tracheostomy incision. In trauma room. Well, why does why does the Israeli have have us by the balls? If you don't mind me saying, I mean, they pretty they they've got a they're in deep with us, and we I, I don't quite get all that. I mean, do you know why it is that we're such a pet puppets? To these yeah, they people? got a stronghold on this country, and that's true. Yeah, they well, do big time. It, 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 it's a very long standing. I mean, it's very clever. L- l- listen, I've just published an article about how. Um, on my blog, let me see here, April 20, I think it was April 28th, just entitled uh, by Dr. Eowyn, Times of Israel in 2012, Jews do control our, uh, uh, the American media. And I, I introduced into her very excellent article three panels, one of which shows a 100 executives with CNN, all of whom are dual U.S.-Israeli citizens, another panel from NBC, a hundred of their executives, all of whom are dual citizens with Israel, and another panel from the New York Times showing another hundred, all of whom are dual citizens with Israel. Uh, they've been very clever, very systematic about infiltrating the media. They control Hollywood. Yet one Hollywood reporter was real cheerful about how Jews control Hollywood, and he went through like all of the studios and explain how all the owners of the studios were Jews. Uh-oh. One exception, there was Uh-oh. only one, uh, you know, I don't know, it was a United Artist or was it, a, you know, one that the actors themselves had created that was the only independent studio that wasn't dominated by, and he was totally you know, cheerful about it. I mean, he said, do Jews call, control Hollywood? Of course, you know, this is like as the Pope Catholic. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, can I ask one more quick question, Michael? I don't want to of take course, over your yeah. show, bro. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I, I'm very I, I, interested I, I, in this thing you brought yeah. up about these women. Yes, uh, okay, have you yeah, heard of the Matrix, Five, uh, the Matrix 5? Does that ring a bell to you? Matrix 5. I I'll have to get this article that to that you does. somehow. Maybe Michael can send me your link uh, on, on the uh, Twitter. Michael, you can send me his link to, uh, so I can get it to him later after yeah, the show no, or something. Yeah, no problem. You could definitely send that in. And uh, by the way, since we were talking about JFK... Uh, just recently, more files were released. I'm not sure if uh, yeah. either of you uh, saw any of those documents. Uh, 19... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. What did yeah. you make of that? Both of you. Well, I, I want both of your takes here. Okay. Go ahead, Jim. Well, I mean, there's some good stuff in there, but they, they, they did the following. Uh, they re- released them as hard copies and with no index. So that you can't scan them, you can't search them electronically, you gotta do it physically, manually. We're doing that. Uh, we've already discovered uh, a, a major document about Mexico City that makes the whole idea that Lee Oswald went to Mexico City appear to be a, a fabrication. And that was important because you see the, the setup was he was supposed to have gone to Mexico City, uh, to get a visa to enter Cuba to make an escape to, to the Soviet Union. In other words, they were one of the scenarios, and the agency has some, always has multiple plans, was that Oswald was supposed to be assassinating JFK on behalf of Fidel Castro and the Soviet Union. When, when Lyndon became president, he, he saw that was much too hot and he cut it off. Uh, but he did also re- require that, you know, the local authorities, he or, uh, one of his closest aides called the, you know, Henry Wade, the DA, and told him to stop talking about conspiracy, that you got your man. 
he actually called Charles Crenshaw when he was attending Lee Oswald. Lyndon himself called him and asked for a deathbed confession. And at that point, uh, he'd taken a turn for the better. So Crenshaw explained to LVJ that he thought he was going to come through. And Lyndon explained, well, there'd be a guy there waiting for him to take a deathbed confession when he got back there. There was a very sinister-looking guy, huge guy in a trench coat, whom we're inclined to believe was David Sanchez Morales. I mean, when when uh, when E. Howard Hunt thought he was about to die, he actually survived. But when he thought he was about to die, he gave an accounting to his son, St. John, whom I know, a uh, good guy, gave a wonderful talk in D.C. here in April about, you know, growing up in a CIA family, uh, a, a list of the chain of command that went from Lyndon Johnson to Cord Meyer, who was in charge of covert activities for the CIA, to d- d- uh, Atlee uh, Phillips, who was the head of CIA Western Hemisphere, to William Harvey, who was in charge of assassinations worldwide, to David Sanchez Morales, who was responsible for Dallas in particular as the overall. So it looks as though David Sanchez Morales, who was also, by the way, at the ambassador when Bobby was whacked, uh, was actually in the in trauma room number two with Lee Oswald and Char- when Charles Crenshaw was looking after the uh, alleged assassin. But he actually took a turn for the worse and died. There was no confession. So all that's really terribly interesting stuff. But but what you're telling me about these women and this other link, this is a novel aspect to the case of which I'm heretofore unaware. Right. Yeah, I really, I wish. Uh, you know what? The, here's the oh. problem with me is sometimes I've got ten things I'm researching, but I wish right. I could give you a, a brief synopsis. But I can tell you this is the amount of little side deals. I'll just call them. They weren't little. They were massive side deals that were all around this whole 9/11 the money. Because to me. There, it wasn't just about death and ritual. It was about a lot of money being made by a yeah. lot of people. That well, they looted. They they looted the Federal Reserve Bank of you know tons of gold. I mean that was a big deal. And of course, Building Seven was the location of the Securities and Exchange Commission. So all the Enron records were there, and a whole lot of investigations of major companies in New York City were destroyed on 9/11 too. Let me follow up, by the way. Among the nuggets that come through in the in the release of documents is one showing that Earl Cabell, who was the mayor of Dallas at the time, had joined the CIA in 1956. His brother Charles, of course, was relieved by JFK as a deputy director in the wake of the Bay of Pigs when he had Bobby and Maxwell Taylor review the whole situation and discovered it had been a bait and switch. I spent 10 years, roughly from 71 to 81, uh, uh, contemplating the connection between Dallas and the CIA, and it was the Cabell brothers. Uh, Charles was born in, in Dallas in, in uh, 1906, as I recall, and Earl was born near Dallas in 1908. I mean, it was on that order. It, 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 I may have the year off by two digits, but I discovered, you know, I went to the, I was uh, teaching at New College University of South Florida, went to the archives and found a who's who for 1965 to verify and found, uh, you know, their dates of birth, and Dallas was their backyard. So, I mean, you know, they, Dooley Plaza was a perfect setup. It appears that uh, Edward Lansdale, by the way, who arranged assassinations all over the world, especially in Vietnam, was responsible for positioning the shooters and determining the sequence of shots. Where well, I've identified six of the shooters. There, there appears to have been a, a seventh, 
And uh, there were eight to ten shots minimally. Jack himself was hit at least four times. He was hit in the back by a shot fired from the top of the county records building by a deputy sheriff. He was hit in the throat by a shot fired from inside the triple underpass that passed through the windshield by an Air Force expert shot. And then after the driver, William Greer, pulled the limousine to a halt to make sure he would be killed, he was hit in the back of the head by an anti-Castro-Cuban firing from the Daltex with a Mamluker Carcano, which was the only unsilenced weapon used during the assassination. He fired three shots with two misses. It was such an unreliable weapon uh, to set up the acoustical impression of only three shots having been fired that he was... After he was hit in the back of the head, he slumped forward, and Jackie used him back up and was looking him right in the face when he was hit in the right temple by a shot fired from the intersection of the triple underpass and the picket fence by a soldier of fortune by the name of Frank Sturgis, who may have been the best shot in the world at the time. He would later acknowledge having done the shooting when he was arrested in New York City by a gold shield detective, Jim Rothstein. When he came there to murder Morita Lawrence, who knew a great deal about the assassination, she'd been a paramour. Of, of Fidel Castro and was in a in a, a car with some of the guys who were uh, going to participate in the shooting on the way to Dallas when she decided she didn't want to be a part of it. And then we have another. There's a documents from Russia showing their their investigation led them to the conclusion that the party responsible. This is in 1965 for the assassination was Lyndon Johnson, and they were asking their embassy for all the information they could turn up about LBJ and his associates and his background. But probably the most important we have so far is this very substantial document about the uh, faking of Lee Oswald in New Orleans and faking that a, a woman there worked at the council and actually had a, a sexual relationship with Lee. I mean, it was all made up. She was actually a very virtuous woman, but they were using her as a pretext to sort of, you know, cement the deal. I mean, obviously he couldn't have had sex with her if he weren't in Mexico City, which I have never believed was the case. I mean, there are lots of reasons for that, but it's complicated. Yeah. Go well, ahead. I'm going I'm I'm to give you some names that are on this article. I just sent it to Michael, so he's got it on Twitter, and he can forward it to okay. you. But read three or four names, and then I'm going to tell you what, what every one of them says. Uh, one is Christine Marcy. Nee McDonald, uh, or McConnell. The other one, uh, I'm gonna name here, Samantha Cameron, uh, she was the Prime Minister's wife. Uh, then we've got, of course, Hillary Clinton's mentioned in here. And then Annabelle Lucy Bronca Astor. And basically what they sit, what they're claiming is all these women are playing roles behind the scene as, uh, in other words, they're, their husbands are all their their prestigious husbands are all being manipulated via via uh bank being blackmailed and so the women are are behind the scenes actually doing the dirty work is what this article is all about and it's quite long i mean it's um, every every major woman that you could think of that's in politics uh that's in here and everything well but what's how were they supposed to be influencing the course of events i mean what was this it's not that they were influencing the events it's that they were handling like almost like secretarial doing things that had to do with the uh, cover-up and then mm. at the same time manipulating the cover-up they were also manipulating some other markets and whatnot and things that were allowing them to make a profit kind of covertly it's, it's a very long i'm telling you this is almost a book it's so long that's why yeah. i couldn't really very curious it, the Joint Chiefs were in on it. They stole the body from Dallas by law. The body had to be subjected to an inquest in Dallas if 
Earl Rose was the medical examiner. He would have done a thorough professional job. He did on J.D. Tippett. You can read the Tippett autopsy report, you know, exactly where it was shot and how many times and you know, the whole bit. But with JFK, it was all a, a mystery because they were obfuscating and covering it up. And as I say, they even enlarged the wound at the back of the head and enlarged the wound of the throat. So it was that bad. Then they altered the x-rays. He had a fist-sized blowout at the back of the head observed by physician after physician at Parkland. But if you read the autopsy report, you'll see it's this enormous blowout. And there's something very peculiar here because the autopsy uh, x-rays were patched to conceal the fist-sized blowout. David Mantic, MD, PhD, entered the National Archives for the first time in late 1992 and used a technique from physics known as optical densitometry that enables you to measure the amount of light that passes through an X-ray and thereby calculate the relative density of the material whose exposure uh, to radiation had created the image. And he found there was this area in the middle of the X-ray that was much too dense to have been human bone, and it was essentially a patch for the blowout where when I took a look at the Zapruder film and reasoned that since they covered up the wound, this fist-sized wound in the early frames, uh, where it, in terms of what you see in the extant version, it's supposed to be happening at 313, but for 314, 15, 16, 17, it's all blacked out, that maybe they'd overlook that it would be visible in later frames, and I found in frame 374 you can actually see the blowout. And when you compare David's identification of area P for patch with a blowout, which you can see in 374, there's a high degree of approximation, except, of course, there's hair on the back of JFK's head that partially, you know, covers the, the blowout. The, the, there's a pink bone extension flapped out, too. I go through all this in my many presentations about JFK. If one wants to see a video that's rather thorough, uh, go to, uh, Brian Rue, R-U-H-E, JFK, who is responsible and why. And I think it's now on BitChute. So, so much of my stuff has been taken down from YouTube. We've had to move it onto BitChute or DTube or 153news.net. I think this is on BitChute. And I think you can also find there an overview about 911, who is responsible and why. Same Brian Rue host when I did these shows. I think you'll find them both on BitChute, but if you don't find them on BitChute, then look for them on 153news.net or even on DTube. The, the one I know in particular on DTube is the Parkland puzzle, how the pieces fit together, which is, you know, how how, how I put it together when I uh, discovered that they'd use simunition and then these kids weren't just lying. They were offering their sincere belief. It just was untrue because they falsely thought they'd been shot by AR-15s when they'd only been shot by these fake bullets. Do you, uh, you since you've been doing this, do, 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 do you have a feeling for what's coming up in the next few years? As far as, far as, is Joe Biden going to be the next president? Your, your, your voice is going in and out. Repeat that. I'm, do you, uh, based on your experience, uh, uh, can you project what your thoughts might be about, uh, I'm hearing that, Trump's going to be done here in a couple of years, and Joe Biden's going to be the next president. Are you hearing anything along those lines? Oh, my God. I, I, I think it's very easy Joe to Biden. take out Joe Biden. You show this clip from the Oval Office where he's standing beside this young girl, and he leans over and says, do you have any idea how horny it makes me to stand beside a 13-year-old girl? Oh, my God. He said that? He did say that. 
It's Whoa. a great campaign commercial, right? One <laughs> commercial. It's just like if Michelle That's Obama awful. runs, all you do is show that she's got a package that women don't have. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> how goddamn dare who, you? Who do, who do you think's going to be the next president? Just for fun, just for just for shits and giggles. So oh, this is this is so so up in the air. Jeez, I haven't even paused to speculate. That's okay. I'm just. The, the whole Trump thing has been so contrived and so nasty. And, and, you know, these are Obama holdovers. It turns out Obama himself was involved in the treachery with the FBI and the Department of Justice. Everything Trump ever said about these things has turned out to be true. There was a vast conspiracy. Hillary, the DNC, this whole Russian dossier was all made up. It was paid for by money with from Hillary and the DNC. Debbie Wasserman Schultz was deeply involved. Barack Obama was deeply involved. I mean, it's really uh, unbelievable. Andrew McCabe was right in the middle of it. James Comey. These people are going to go down. They're going to be. The truth is starting to come out. The inspector general of the Department of Justice is actually doing a good job in exposing the truth. So you got a lot of members of Congress who actually are CIA, like this Adam Schiff guy. I am 100 percent convinced he's CIA every time he opens his mouth. Would you believe that if you compare the number of times Adam Schiff is interviewed by uh, versus uh Nunes, who's a good guy, uh, Schiff has been interviewed hundreds of times. I mean, just hundreds of times. I mean, 400 times. Adam Schiff, who's a little CIA piece of whatever, okay? Uh, this Nunes, who's a principal guy, I mean, you know, compared to the hundreds for Schiff, he's going to be on 30, 40, something like that. I mean, it would be worth doing a statistical study because, you know, the, 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 these, the mainstream, I mean, it's like a Zio-CIA combo that the CIA and the Mossad are working so tightly together, just as they did on 9/11 in terms of the media. It's a really bad situation. So Trump had 100% the right idea of draining the swamp, and maybe he'll be able to do something significant about it. But I worry by the extent to which he seems to be constrained, that he seems to have been reined in and surrounded. If you read this book by this guy, Wolf, I think it's Michael Wolf, Fire and Fury, you get the indelible impression that, that everyone who's surrounding him is a rabid Zionist, that they're all putting Israel ahead of the United States. And the, it looked like that Donald was actually going to put America first for a change, and that would be such a welcome breath of fresh air. Yeah, Jim, I was just about to ask you for your personal assessment on Donald Trump. He's been in office for long enough. Um, where do you grade him, uh, a, a through F? Oh, I, I think I give him a B. I mean, he's up against titanic forces. No president has ever in, had to deal with this kind of an onslaught. It's like he's swimming against a... You know, a, a flood. I mean, it's just uh, unbelievable. So many agencies of the government are working at such a deep level. All the mainstream media is against him. Uh, uh, the two bright lights out there, in my opinion, I didn't always feel this way about Sean Hannity, but I think that during the campaign and after, he's been the most fair and balanced, actually. I know that's their motto, and it, I used to think it was ridiculous, but I think he's been so much better than CNN, which is CIA 24-7. Or MSNBC, which is CIA with a with a light touch, with a twist, with a feminist element, you know, is Rachel Maddow. But I tell you, sometimes it's just so sickening to hear nothing but propaganda. Everything they're saying is provably false. I mean, 
I do these news reviews every single week. There's not a day goes by that I'm not sifting and winnowing the latest articles uh, uh, for our, these news programs. It consumes a staggering amount of my time. Understood. And, yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm following these stories in, in minute detail. I mean, just it, the whole thing about the Russian hacking is just rubbish. And yet you get it. They're still talking today about it. I mean, the, the House Intel Committee comes out with a very responsible report. No evidence of any Russian, inter, you know, involvement. Uh, it, it, I'll tell you how absurd it is. They initially were treating the election as though it were one election the Russians could hack. When it turns out, of course, we have 50 different state elections. It's like a patchwork quilt. It would be almost impossible when the Homeland Security reached out and said that several states had been targeted by the Russians. The Secretary of State of California said this was ridiculous. It was rubbish. The Secretary of State of Wisconsin said they were very distressed because they were changing their story about what was supposed to have happened. But it was all bullshit. It was, none of it was true. None of it was true. The dossier was a fabrication. I'm telling you, I am so deep in this stuff. It's just a, a dumbfounds me that I should spend so much of my life devoted to sorting out this nonsense. But I'm telling you, the mainstream media, 90% is completely bullshit, just not true, not even remote proximity to truth. And the other name I was going to mention, Hannity is very good. He He's mostly right, not always, but mostly. Tucker Carlson is sensational. He's so clear. He, he isn't cowed. He goes right for the jugular. He doesn't understand enough about the extent to which conspiracies and false flags take place. But he's utterly sincere, a man of immense integrity. And apparently he was taken off of Fox News for a couple of days as a punishment for raising questions about why the United States is even in Syria. No, I didn't know that. Which, which Yeah, which he put to a southern senator. And the senator replied by saying, well, if you're a friend of Israel, and Tucker said, I'm not talking about Israel's interests. I'm talking about American interests. What is the American interest in being in Syria? He couldn't answer the question. I think because Tucker was cutting to the heart of the matter, he was actually grounded for three or four days. I was worried that he'd actually literally been taken out. Tucker actually makes these faces when he's on air that just kill me. Yeah, he's got, he does. He does that look, and then he I just really lose got, it. He, if I was going to recommend one person to watch on TV, it would be Tucker Carlson. And the second one yeah, I would say good. is Hannity. Is not Hannity doesn't has a good a mind as Tucker. Tucker has an excellent intellect, and he's fearless, and he he is not cowed by anybody, and he guts right to the jugular. I mean. Sean's a pretty I gotta good ask you a question effort, about Tucker. He's, he's not uh, in the same you, category. You know, he's the one guy that seems to be uh, interviewing these guys from To the Stars and this whole paranormal UFO disclosure Pentagon movement. Are you following that at all? The the UFO disclosure thing that's uh, apparently I'll, happening. I'll, I'll tell you, of all the stuff I could be following, that's the one that has you know slipped through my fingers. I felt it would be a huge project. At one point, I was about to embark upon it. I have at least ten books about all this stuff. I had them in a big stack. And then something happened. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was the Boston Marathon bombing, and I got diverted, and I never got back to it. So I mean, I don't blame you for that. It seems like every time we turn on our television screen, there's a new disaster right there. I know, and here I am doing books on them. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got 11 books at Moonrock Books now, 11. One, one is quite a brilliant a piece by a European guy, a historian of science named Nick Kohlerstrom, called the Chronicles of False Flag Terror, where he talks about Thirteen of these in 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 Europe. Thirteen of these phony attacks in Europe. Thirteen. 
most of the books, you know, the books I edit are all collaborative where I bring together between a dozen and 15 experts. But we have a couple of single authored books, that one by Nick, then this book by President James called The New Gutenberg Press, which is explaining why the Internet is such a threat to the deep state. That's a brilliant book that's just come out. So I recommend, you know, check it, check out. You're, you're bound to find something. This book I'm doing right now in Parkland is going to be a doozy. I'll yeah, tell I'm waiting you. for that one. That, that'll be out in about 10 days, I'm going to guess, maybe two weeks, and, uh, very, very soon. And, and Jim, before we move along here, I, I did want to ask you about Trump and his uh, lawyer, Michael Cohen. They still, to, they still continue to battle um, the feds out there. They raided Michael Cohen's home. Um, well, that was horrendous. I thought Alan Dershowitz was 100% right. I mean, this is an atrocity. I mean, you know, we got a Fourth Amendment against unreasonable search and seizure. If any relationship is sacrosanct, it's supposed to be the lawyer-client, just as the priest-penitent, just as the doctor-patient. And this was a gross violation of the uh, 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 lawyer-client confidentiality. I mean, gross. I can't imagine this happening in the United States. But then I couldn't imagine that you'd have the Internet being locked down by YouTube taking out all these videos. And I mean, we're, we're in the grip of a new form of electronic tyranny. I mean, we are turning into a Stalinist state. This is the United States of America. I mean, in my lifetime, I never foresaw anything remotely approximating what we're confronting today. But that whole raid was outrageous. Mueller, by the way, if you get into it, has a very sordid history. All this extolling him as some kind of paragon of virtue is nonsense. Let me make a real simple, just make three telling points. This guy was appointed the director of the FBI before 9-11. He did nothing to expose it. He was uh, the director of the FBI with Sandy Hook. He did nothing to expose it. He, he resigned or retired from the FBI from his position after the Boston bombing. I, I mean, the Boston bombing is as clear-cut a phony fabricated case as we've ever had. You had the, the police on bullhorns calling out, this is a drill, this is a drill. You had the Boston Globe tweeting that a demonstration bomb will be set off during the marathon for the benefit of bomb squad activities. Another tweet saying one will be set off in one minute in front of the library. And one minute later, in front of the Boston Public Library, one of these explosions go off. And I say it's a puff piece. This was a theatrical explosion. I'm a former artillery officer in the Marine Corps. And I'm telling you, those explosives weren't powerful enough to kill anybody unless maybe you're sitting right on top of it. And then when you peer through the smoke, there are bodies missing arms and legs, yes, but there is no blood. As Lorraine Day, who was in charge of trauma surgery for San Francisco General Hospital for 25 years, has observed, it is a physiological impossibility to have arms and legs blown off by explosives and for there to be no blood, which means those arms and legs weren't blown off by explosives, at least not then and there, because what they did was to use amputee actors, actors who are missing arms and legs they recruited for the Boston bombing. The blood shows up later. It came out of tubes. It's Hollywood blood, never changes color. It's too bright, real blood deoxygenates, turn blood, turns dark. It actually came out of little orange backpacks, of which we find five or six at the scene after everything's cleared out. And to my astonishment, a Hollywood producer, director by the name of Nathan Folks, who identified one of the key players there, a tall fellow in a cowboy hat, who's Carlos Arredondo by name as an actor he cast in one of his own films, uh, told me that they'd actually use a smoke machine. So we poured through and we found, yeah, studio quality smoke machine. I was so dumbfounded. 
I put the picture of the smoke machine on the back cover of the book, and nobody died in Boston either. Hey, are oh you goodness. following this QAnon uh, phenomena with the QAnon character just posting all this information constantly that everybody's buying? I do this. Uh, I do two news shows every week. One uh, runs about an hour and a half with a woman by the name of Louisa. It's called the Goldfish Report. And then I do a second with Scott Bennett, who's a former Army Intel and PSYOPs officer, and Michael J. Anderson, who's a Vietnam vet and a political activist. I like Scott. He's oh, a good guy. Yeah. Oh, Scott's a super guy. Truth versus News, yeah. which is done out of a little Seattle community TV station. And, and on the Goldfish Report, Louisa begins with 20 or 30-minute summary of the president's schedule and the latest from Q. So she goes through it in great detail. Now. I don't usually say a lot about it because I'm unconvinced one way or the other. I can't figure out whether Q is for real or Q is not for real, but I appreciate her efforts in following it. Then I go on and give, you know, a systematic uh, with all these slides, usually about, I uh, usually ha covering about s uh, 70 stories or so and, and do an update then on what's going on in the world where I take a break after each series of stories for Louisa to comment, but she follows Q faithfully. So, you know, I am very familiar with the kinds of reports Q's making. I find them cryptic, almost indecipherable. Obviously, they're suggestive, but what does it all amount to? Uh, I'm unable to assess. Yeah, I'm quite skeptical myself to, to be 100% transparent with everyone out there. That's, a, that's something I get asked myself, and um, I, I really never answered that, but quite skeptical. So I'm very intrigued by this business about the crown girls and all that, and asked a dimension of 9/11 of which I was here to here before unaware. And uh, you know, I'll be I'll okay. take I'll take a look at it. Mike, did you get the tweet? Did you get a chance to look at it? I don't know if Michael was even have a chance to see it. I sent it to him about yeah, five minutes ago. Yeah, I just sent the I just sent an email uh, to okay, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once he reads that, God, I would I would pay to have him back on the show to talk about that because I'm sure that is explosive information that's not being discussed on any level anywhere. So I'm curious how real it is. That's what I want to know. Yeah, we'll talk about well, that. Even if, well, the fact that 9-11 was done with mini or micro nukes, I mean, that, that, that the 9-11 was done by the CIA, the neocons, and the Department of Defense, and the Mossad. You got picture. People like Richard Gage, who have all this prominence and publicity as the head of architects and engineers, they won't even talk about these things. I mean, you know, that seems to me, I, I, I'm intrigued by this, these crown girls or whatever, but you know, I'm well, telling you, know, you, you major upfront this. issues here about who is responsible and why and how it was done at this organization yeah. that's been preeminent, that's soaked up all the money from the American people has produced virtually nothing. It's a limited hangout. I guarantee you. Yeah, and and by the way, since we jump back in here on nine eleven, uh, do you remember the phone calls that allegedly took place in the air? Sure, sure. With that, was it Ted Olson? If is that and Barbara yeah, Olson was that? That that was them, right? Solicitor General in the department. He was number three in the Department of Justice, presenting cases to the Supreme Court. Yeah, he faked these calls with you know hmm. his wife and. She was a TV commentator, so that was the angle that people would know. Uh, and she appears actually to have uh, no plane hit the Pentagon. She didn't die in a it crash. It seems like there. everyone forgot about that story. Well, not completely. She actually was arrested in the Swiss-Austrian border or something for some financial impropriety. <laughs> really? She appears to have had wow. some plastic surgery and come back and remarried her husband under the name of Lady Booth. Good Lord.
know. Good Lord. I mean, what, what can you say about that? I know. Well, oh, you, can look, you know, people who have looked at it, you know, uh, b- believe that that's, uh, in fact, what happened. So, you know. It's just a terrible situation. We have all sorts of money being exchanged between the Saudi government and Al-Qaeda, which um, I believe we probably created thanks to the CIA. Well, let's put it this way. When Osama was told about 9-11, he explained he had nothing to do with it, that it was contrary to the tenets of the Koran to murder innocent women and children, that there was a government within the government that wanted to blame this on Muslims. Even William Jefferson Clinton uh, said the same thing, that there's a government within the government. He doesn't control it. There is a group called Aim for Truth, by the way, that's outed. The Senior Executive Service, that's a core of 500 attorneys in the Department of Justice, all of whom make salaries uh, equal to or greater than that of the Vice President of the United States, that they cannot be fired, that they control the salaries of 10,000 bureaucrats, and this appears to be the core of the deep state. So we may be making progress, you know, increment by increment. My understanding was that the reason, uh, one of the reasons Trump was willing to sign this latest budget deal, which was horrific in many respects, was it gave him the right to set the salaries of uh, the, the, the bureaucrats. So he couldn't fire them, but he could reduce their salary to $1 per year, for example. Now, I don't know if that has come to pass, but that was an explanation I was given as to what was going on with this horrendous budget. And uh, Eric, did you have anything else to add here? I don't, but thank you very much for yeah, letting no me time. Sure, glad you called. Yeah, thanks for the call, my friend. Okay, you guys have a good night. We'll talk to you next right. time. Bye-bye, Eric. Thanks for the call. And there he goes. Good caller there. And uh, we definitely are coming to a close here, Jim. I didn't want to take up uh, too much uh, too sure, much of your sure, time sure, there. Sure, this is This is fine, Michael. I always enjoy coming on. You're a wonderful host, and I really enjoy our show. So. Definitely. And I got one more just to ask you, just a random question here. Um, sure. And it involves a Bill Cosby. Yeah. What do you make of Yeah. What do you make of that? I, I definitely want your opinion. I, I think he was guilty of all of those offenses. I really don't have any doubt about it at all. The circumstantial evidence, the number of witnesses, overwhelming. When I was growing up, or my younger brothers and sister. What a sad situation. I mean, the cause. My, he, he was a. He was an exemplar of a of a father figure for the right. United States for crying out loud. Insane. Yeah. And that he should turn out to be a pervert? I mean, this is very, very bad. Very bad. I think he deserves the most severe punishment to which he's uh entitled, you know. I mean, let him live out the rest of his years in prison. That would be fine. This is grotesque. It's a betrayal of the American people. You know, he got up and issued an obscenity against when it was said that they were worried about him as a flight risk that he might f- fly his plane. And he got up and called the guy an, an a-hole <laughs> right there in court, apparently used the phrase twice. Oh, boy. That good old Bill Cosby, or as I this like to call him. not the guy we thought he was, right? Right, and I don't even call him uh, Bill Cosby. I call him Pill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Well, there it is. Yeah, terrible. There it is. Yeah, I, I, you know, he even made that a part of his act, part of his stand-up act, uh, talking about giving Spanish fly to women. Did he? Sure did. Well, he was doing it. He was doing Well, except this wasn't actually – Spanish fly, I take it, m- m- makes you want to be disposed to have sex. He was giving them, like, downers. Yeah, he was giving them all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so they were unable to resist his uh, physical abuse. 
That's just awful. But I think it's just stunning that he was finally convicted. I mean, you know. Well, that's the true. Parallels to OJ. OJ was, uh, you know, the the the. I was such a fan of OJ when we actually when we were at friends in uh, in in Michigan in 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 Dearborn when we turned on the TV that Saturday in the the slow chase. You yes. Know, the white. In the Bronco. In the Bronco, yeah, was taking place when we were getting the pieces put together. I was saying. Oh no, he can't have done that. You know, and my wife says, How how do you know? You don't know this guy. And of course she was right and I was wrong. I mean, I was acting on my impression of OJ. I have no doubt whatsoever that he he murdered Nicole. He's actually spelled out how he did it. He slit her throat and Ron Goldman put up a hell of a fight, but he wasn't equal. I think uh, OJ was up on meth. And I can't even, I, Jim, I can't even believe there's some people that believe OJ is innocent even in 2018. Uh, he Ludicrous. Was, he, he did it. The, the most important witness never testified. She was at an intersection when the white Bronco, without its lights on, came in, and there was nearly a wreck between three cars. And O.J. was there screaming, get out of the way, get out of the way. And they backed up, and he was able to drive through to get back to his uh, estate. But the fact is, she she had taken uh, five grand from the National Enquirer for her story, and, and Martha Marcia Clark was being a bit overly prim and proper and wouldn't put her on the stand because she'd been paid five grand for her story. But she was the key witness of him fleeing the scene and making his way back to his his estate. Yes. So, Jim, I do want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program yet again. And um, I I just can't stop thanking you enough. You're a tremendous guest, and I always... My my great pleasure, Michael. Mm -hmm. I always enjoy it. Love bringing you on. Yes. Thanks very much for featuring me again. Yeah, no problem. Go ahead and plug anything you'd like, Jim. Oh, I just encourage people, check out the books at moonrockbooks.com and check out, go through, go to jamesfetzer.blogspot.com and go back through the last 10 blogs or so because those are the latest that I felt important enough to put up. Some I've authored and some I've simply republished, but I think you're going to find some important stuff there. And once again, you know, Keep, don't take anything for granted and, and keep, keep an open mind, but be cautious. Anything you're hearing from the mainstream press about a politically loaded issue is almost certain to be false. Almost certain to be false. Excellent. Once again, thanks for being a part of the program and I'll talk to you on the flip side, my friend. You got it, Michael. Thanks again. All right. Take care. Good night. Bye. And there he goes, Professor Jim Fetzer. Great guy. Great guest. Love bringing them in here. Love talking to some of you out there online and, of course, on the phone there. Looking at that time, yes, it is that time for a a little break here. Some music will commence, and, of course, when I return, your emails and maybe some of your calls. Stay tuned. Be right back. Whitley is also not who he would appear to be. (laughs) Be very careful of, be very careful of, of Dr. Hoagland. And welcome back to the program, often imitated, never duplicated. Nice to see you out there still. Oh, yeah. I believe I'll be joined by another soul in a moment here. Is that you? Hello. Hey, Vanessa. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Oh, yes. I'm glad you could be here. Right. Thanks. I I needed my Florida correspondent. Uh Uh-oh. We're going to talk about about Florida. I'm ready. You know we're going to talk about Florida because this wouldn't be a show without me mentioning Florida. Yes, yes. I know. You love Florida. I really do as of late. Yes. Mm-hmm. So many good stories come out of there. 
Well, well, you know how I feel about that, but okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> yes, let, let's talk about it. There was a, a gentleman, by the way, mm-hmm. from Jacksonville who okay. basically was accused of kicking swans. That's messed up. Yeah, he was uh, allegedly practicing his uh, karate. Yeah, I saw that. I think he was on something. He was on some bath salts. Well, did you see his face? I saw his earrings. Did you like his earrings? Very boy band. Maybe I would have liked them 15 years ago. Yeah, he seems like a a nice guy. Sort of. Sort of. His name is Rocco. (laughs) (laughs) Rocco Joseph Montello, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Am I pronouncing his name correctly? Man, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Is it Mantella? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. think so. I, I think okay, it's... Mantella. We'll just call him Rocco. Rocco, yes. I yeah. can't believe there's people like this walking around. And I'm not surprised, though. I, I saw the words of Florida, and I thought, well, how well, can I be actually, shocked? I don't even watch local news, but I type in Florida on Twitter or on Google. I put Florida man, and I get all kinds of stuff. Sometimes I put, sometimes I'll put Florida woman, you know, to mix it up. Oh, and you'll find all sorts of things, right? Yeah. The mug shots. They're, they're good. There's been some very lovely mug shots, I must say. And I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of, uh, meth abusers out there, right? I mean, like I said, that's well, like everywhere else. Well, yeah, but Northern Florida is something else. I will say it's, it's a little crazy up there, but, um, yeah. What a what but, a weird place to live. Well, you should come so you can see it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I really do want to go out there because it's just, uh, I talk so much shit about it. I know. Now you'll love it and it'll be like your favorite place on earth. I don't think I'd love it. Oh. I, well, I mean, what? it's Florida. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't love it and I live here, so. Yeah, I don't think many people that live there even love it. No, we don't. I mean, it's too, it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's just, it's so long and it takes like 10 hours to get out of it. Yes. It's like hell. It's a little bit like hell. It's like, well, I'm sure it's not, well, not like El Centro where I live where it's just awful all year round, except during the winter. That's when it's nice out here. Yeah, I guess. It's always bad here. By the way, did you listen in earlier? Yes, I did. Did you hear the part where I mentioned, uh, Bill Cosby? Yes, I did. Oh yeah, what do you make of that situation? Are are you at all shocked? I know I'm not. No, I'm not. I don't get shocked about anything. I'm not that shocked I at all. But um, I mean, he could get like to 30 years, and I don't know about that. I think that's a little bit. He's gonna die in there. Yeah, I mean, he's 80. He'll probably he'll probably die before before he gets in. You think so? <laughs> he might. He might. He looks right? pretty frail. Celebrity death pool. I know celebrity death pool. <laughs> Gotta make sure we add him in there. Yeah. I think he's like 80, right? God damn, is he really 80? Yeah, he looks he pretty really good that for an 80-year-old. I mean, yeah, all that rape and made all him that, young. All that rape made him young, yeah. <laughs> the, the the rape train. <laughs> rapey. He, he was very rapey for very long. I've always found him creepy, always. He does kind of have that creepy aura around about him, right? Yeah, and then yeah, like, I, I, I could feel that. Yeah, so even when I've never he's really liked him. Even when he's being a phony actor, you could still feel that aura of, of rapiness. When he in the Jello commercials, Jesus. I remember he used to put his face weird in the Jello commercial, and I used <laughs> yes. to and I used to be like, that guy's a rapist for show. Sure. You knew, right? You just <laughs> I knew that your senses kicked in. Yeah, 
I hear you. But by the way, there there is an email here. I, I had more to talk to you about, but there is an email here that I did want to get into really quickly. Okay. Yeah, th- this is from George, a listener. I'm not exactly sure where George is from, but he emailed me with, Hey, Michael, big fan of yours. I love your show. I noticed that you were having trouble with your stream. What's the issue? Thanks for everything you've done and continue to do. What a nice guy, right? Very nice. Very nice man. Uh, George, well, thanks for all of that. I have to say the stream is back and working yet again. Uh, Vanessa, are you, were you listening in on the old stream or uh, the yes, new Yes, I was. One? Well, now I was listening to the one on your website. So your, your regular one. Yeah, that one was down for a while having issues with, with the host out there or the server rather. And, you know, I'm thinking I might switch. I might get a new server. Wow. Yeah, it'll sound a lot better. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here. Exclusive. <laughs> Too bad I don't have, like, a sound drop to uh, play that in there. Aw. I was not prepared for this. Damn it. Yeah, but um, thanks, George, by the way. I do hope that answers your, your question. Yes, just some tech issues, but all of that is... um. All that's being handled. Yeah. And I really appreciate you as a listener, as I do everyone out there. And I, I also have to thank, uh, Steampunk Radio, who I'm simulcasting this right now with. That's the other network I'm on, by the way, Vanessa. Yeah, I know. I mean, in case you didn't know, (laughs) I do. That's where I've heard of you last. Perfect. Yes. I'm sure lots of people checked that out. I saw the stats. I was blown away. Um, people uh, piling in there to check out the stream. Yeah, Steampunk Radio, great people out there. Support them. And um forgot the name of the other website I was supposed to plug tonight. Now I feel bad. See, I was supposed to plug another website and I don't have any notes for this. Aw. Uh, yeah. Wow. Sometimes this you is have... Michael in the raw. Sometimes you gotta do it raw. Yeah. You gotta jump in sometimes there. Sometimes. Sometimes it's better. So yeah, sometimes it feels better and <laughs> Sometimes people get pregnant. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, wrong. You know, you could always pull. Oh, no, never mind. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're supposed to keep this PG thirteen. That's right. Yes, and of course they never PG thirteen. Well, that's true. Yeah. It often ends up not being PG thirteen at all. Yeah, that's right. That happens. By the way, the <laughs> the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Someone else asked me about that, and yeah, that'll be up soon. I do apologize. The YouTube channel has been going through some issues with uh, YouTube administration, rather. Yeah. But don't worry, I'll I'll fix that. And of course, um, I'm thinking about going back to iTunes. Did you ever use that though, Vanessa? No, no. To be honest, no. Yeah, I don't know that many listeners who actually checked out the show on on iTunes. I mean, I I always would listen on on YouTube. Yeah, don't worry. I apologize for the inconvenience. I'll keep it in mind and try to get that uh, going. This is a one-man operation. And again, thanks, George, for the email. I try. That's right. I like how he says that. <clears throat> yes. And uh, <laughs> one more email. Well, actually. Okay. Yeah, you know what? One more email here. Email here. Th- this email comes from uh, Brent in New York. I don't New know. York. I don't know anyone named Brent. Outside Me of, either. Outside of California. I only know one Brent, so that's why I'm like, Brent? Wow. Who the hell is this? So, Ran- right. Random listener from New York. Great, though. 
And he emails in with, hey, Michael, I just heard your show with Dr. Albert Taylor. That was an incredible show. There is no other host that I found that has interviewed Dr. Albert Taylor in the way you have. You bring out the best in Albert. Keep doing what you're doing and take care. Everyone be nice to me here. That That is very nice. Why no, is everyone nice? I don't know. You have no hate hate emails? No, I'm looking for them, and there's nothing negative in here tonight. Oh man. I mean, I, I like the negative ones, though. Those are fun. Those are fun. It makes the I, show, I say. Yeah, it makes the show better. Damn. Yeah, I, I like being trashed every now and then. Yeah, I mean, all it's these compliments make... Look, do the compliments make you nervous? Nah, it, now I'm just like, oh... Oh, you're, oh, you're used to It's it. like you're putting me over. I mean, I, I, I want to get buried a little bit every now and then. <laughs> it's funnier. Yeah, it is funnier. Yeah, it makes for a more entertaining half of the, the program here. Yeah. Yeah, all these emails I've been getting, they're all nice, and it's like, uh. Now you're gonna, now tomorrow you're gonna get a bunch of hate. Just yeah. You want I, it. Yeah, I like the hate better. It's fun. Okay. I like being horrible. hated. I know, I'm just, it's probably the, the, the total opposite of what people think. <laughs> they're like, why would you, why would you want to be hated for? Makes you feel good. It's a lot more fun, I have to say. I mean, if you could get to somebody, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, thank you, Brent. That is kind of you to say. And I did try my best. I really do appreciate Dr. Albert Taylor greatly. He's a a, a brilliant man, and uh, he has a brilliant mind. I always have a great time whenever he's on the program and hope to continue to bring him on here and have more wonderful uh, conversations with uh, Dr. Albert Taylor, that is. Can I just say that I love the way you – I love I love the way Jim laughs. Jim, oh, he's hilarious, right? When he laughs, it's he has a good laugh. get happy. I, I, I get happy. He, yeah, I always smile when he laughs too. It's good to make him laugh. Yeah, he's always so serious, right? He is. I mean, like he was a little cranky. He was. So, he was a little cranky to, tonight, right? Yeah, in the beginning, but then you softened him up. Yeah, that that happens. That tends to happen. You you soften people up a little bit. Oh, slowly. <laughs> and I just looked at my website right now, and I just saw Amy Schumer's face. Oh. <laughs> Why is she like on is she your new banner? No, it's because Twitter is on the left side. Oh, okay. And her, okay. And Twitter doesn't exact like if you go on the website it doesn't update right away. Uh-huh. So like the last couple of things are gonna be up there and one of the last ones I tweeted out was um Amy Schumer in the hospital. Her selfie. Her, her selfie um, hospital selfie, yeah. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah, with a UTI. But oh gross. <laughs> I was hoping well, I, you were going to say I don't that. Know. I don't know if that's what she had, but. Well, she spent five days in the hospital for a kidney infection. And yeah, I read some article that it was a, a UTI. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't hate her, by the way. I just don't find her funny. No, she's not funny. Yeah, I, I don't really hate anyone, but she's just terrible. Yeah, she's not. I, I've honestly, like, I don't like anything she's ever been in. So I don't hate her, but I don't find her funny. I don't understand I, that. The why, why do people take photos of themselves in the hospital? I'm sure you have fans that care and all that, all that jazz, but I, I wouldn't do that to myself. I mean, she needs to look a little bit more presentable. In the picture, she doesn't look her best. I mean, I know she's sick, but still, I mean, look I don't her know. Best. She'd be looking. That's, that's she'd pretty be funny. Looking, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Maybe that is her best. I don't know. Terrible, but yeah. Uh, there was, you know, there was even another article that came out today. 
Uh-huh. Where she apparently did some interview with Oprah. Oh, God. Yeah, and she said that she lost her virginity through rape. Uh, sure she did. Now, yeah, now I'm calling BS. I mean, I call BS for a lot of things these days, but um, I don't think so. I think she's lying. I think she's lying to be cool. <laughs> I totally, I don't believe her story at all. No, she wants to be relatable since everybody's been raped since now. It, yeah, I think she's just jumping on that rape train again. Yeah, the, the rape train. The rape train. Yeah. I'm going to have to coin that. I like, I mean, I like, not not rape, I like the rape train. It just sounds but. funny, but I mean, you can't get that on, on a t-shirt or anything. No, no. Imagine walking around and your shirt says rape train. <laughs> Hashtag rape train. I mean, I'd wear it. You you should. That should be one of your merch. That'd be hilarious, but I don't think it'd be very uh, PC. No, or popular. Uh, Cody in the chat room said one of uh, Schumer's stand-up comedies were so terrible, I forgot what special it was, but it got like one star on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Cody. Back when the back when you used to be able to rate the things, I remember I used to rate things I didn't like. And I think I rated her show one star also. I think everything on Netflix is like one star. Well, they changed it. That's the thing. Now it's like. It's hidden now or is it back? No, now it's like a new thing. Like it's a match. Like based on your, Mm. like on the stuff you've seen. I see. They recommend things. That's weird. It is weird. It's it's very, it's rude. Yeah, it (laughs) is rude. But of of course, Cody, I'm not surprised either about her, her terrible Netflix special. You should watch it. I don't Get even drunk wanna, and watch it. I can't. <laughs> I could never do such a thing. So you didn't go see I Feel Pretty, her movie? Hell no. <laughs> why on earth would I do that? Why would you do that to yourself? I mean, why would I want to torture myself like that? <laughs> this, is, this has become a hate Amy Schumer. Uh, <laughs> it really has. It's become a very negative Amy Schumer episode, but... Yeah. I mean, we, we can all agree that we all think she stinks. Yeah, she, she's not funny. Not at all. And No. What was that name of uh, I Feel Pretty? That was her latest movie, right? Yeah, that's that's the name, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, it's ho- it, I, that's I don't know just terrible. It. I wonder what the Rotten Tomato score is. I'm going to look it up. Go look it up because now I'm curious. Okay. She kind of looked like a tomato in her um selfie there in the hospital. Yeah, she's one of those. I, is so, she like so a ginger? Red. She's a ginger. I think right? she might be a, yeah, she probably is. Okay, so it has 34% from like critics and right. then it has 20, 29% from audience. Mm. So it's rotten. <laughs> I'm not going to watch that shit. <laughs> not even for free. Isn't there an- <laughs> another film with the same basis? Like Shallow How? Yeah, Shallow How. I, I saw that. That was okay. That was, that was, that was okay. Yeah, that's all right, even though he's a hack. Yeah, I don't like him either. He is one of the worst actors. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think I've only seen him in um that and Nacho Libre, I think. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, yeah, I saw Nacho Jack Libre. Black, he is a hack. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's so not hacky. Good. And then the one in the high, the high school, I remember the, there's one that he's like, the, he's like a teacher. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, I don't think he's funny at all. Cody, by the way, fired off in the chat room. LOL, it was so bad. Man, I watched seven minutes and it was like Chinese torture. Which one? Uh, the uh, Amy Schumer Netflix special. And he saw. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Yeah, I believe him. I'm not not denying that. Yeah. Jesus, but yeah, Jack Black, a uh, hacky. Yeah, he's not funny. No. no, is he even? What, what's he doing now? Does he got anything? I'm not looking him up. I'm oh looking wait, him up. he came out in that Jumanji. Oh, the new one. The new one. Yeah, we don't talk about the new, the remakes. <laughs> yeah, we don't. No. Not not here. Um, no. Uh, I, I remember he was in School of Rock. School oh, of I also Rock, saw him yeah. in, in in the Goosebumps movie. I remember I saw that. I didn't watch that, but I read I read plenty of those books growing up. Yeah, I I mean I was more of a Are you afraid of the dark person? But I liked Goosebumps also. Right on, yes, Goosebumps, <laughs> very very popular. Yeah. Geez, a weird story here. I came across 126 pounds of meth found in a truck carrying Starbucks products. Florida? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it is from Florida. Let me look down. No, it was from. Um, it was going to Washington. Oh wow! Is somebody involved from Florida? <laughs> a person. It says here a driver, twenty-three, uh, twenty-two-year-old man from Mexico, and a sixty-two-year-old man from California. I guess. Oh, that's were, your side. Were, yeah, that, that's my side. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're hauling a lot of weight. God damn, they were trying to get it out there. Uh, it was it was going to Spokane, Washington, hmm. and of course they got stopped. Was it um Heisenberg? That's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of meth. Yeah, I mean, ill. <laughs> yeah. Are you doing meth out there in Florida? No, I, I mean, there. I'm sure there is some. Meth. I think oh, there's no crack. Shit. Is, there's I think there's crack everything is there. More popular. I think crack is a, a little bit. Actually, no. Actually, one day I was like in someone's house, and he lives in a bad neighborhood, and I went outside, and there was like. And he's like, oh, be careful. There's a black tar heroin. Oh, my thing. God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I was just about to ask you, have you ever seen anyone, like, shoot up out there or no, smoke anything? No. I think I've seen someone snort something once. It was like a homeless yeah. guy. Yeah. I don't, well, I doubt he was snorting cocaine. I doubt he could afford it. Yeah, it's he pretty was, expensive. I think he was snorting, like, meth or something since it's, like, so available out here. That's gross. Yeah, lots of meth in this area. For those who aren't familiar with El Centro, California, this is a, a border town, basically. I live, how far away from the border do I live? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Not very far, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the border is just right there. And lots of drug trafficking goes on here. I, yeah. yeah. I, live, I live about 35 minutes from uh, the Mexican border. You got some all kinds of all kinds of shit goes on out here. Yeah, mm-hmm. some Heisen, some Heisenberg, some the blue Act- stuff. Actually, cartels <laughs> in Mexico were actually making meth blue. Really? Oh, for the like? I guess they. The show? Yeah, I think they were trying to get on that get on that wave. That's hysterical. I was, I was about to say they were trying to get on the rape train. Uh, <laughs> the meth train. The meth that's train. Hy- that's hysterical when you know that something's so like. Popular. That's that so popular that you would. That is that is so funny. Yeah, that that is kind of funny. Like I'm such a fan of the show. I'm gonna do meth now, and I want it to be blue. <laughs> you know, I wonder if there's people like that who there's got to oh, be. For sure. There's got to be oh, people that sure. watch the the program and and were just mesmerized by all, by all of it and thought yeah, oh, I'm gonna like, try meth. Yeah. <laughs> Looks cool. Yeah, it's a great time to try meth. Yeah. I, I bet you, I bet, I bet 
meth sales like went up because of the show. Oh I hell yes, uh, people of are followers. They want to be Jesse Pinkman. Jesse Pinkman, that's hilarious. But yeah, <laughs> you know, you said something right now that is very true. People want to be followers. Yes. Why is that? Well, why are people like that? What what happened to being an individual and having free thought and not being influenced by your friends or family? Nowadays, or, ce- or celebrities. Or celebrities. Yeah. yeah, that's you know what I'm, You know what I'm saying, right? It's like... For sure. You, you know those people out there. You have friends who are like that. Yep. And it's hard to we be all friends do. with people like that. Yeah. We all it's have, hard. Yeah. Unusual. I don't know why there's people like that, but... Some people collect stamps, right? Yeah. But, I mean, maybe once in a while you come across an expensive stamp. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There, there are those those rare. stamps out there that are rare, like like a Pokemon. That's right. Are you still playing Pokemon? <clears throat> yes. The Pokemon I, I Go, right? Is that the newest one? Newest one? That's been out for two years. But, yes, that's I am the, still playing. That's the main driver? Yeah, I am still playing, waiting for you to join. Wink, wink. Waiting for me to join. <laughs> yeah, wink, wink. Um, it, it's good. It's a good game. It's fun. I don't know. All right, one day, one day. Can Can you beat people up in the game? Like, you could fight them, you could battle them in a gym, but not actually beat them up, Michael. Well, well of course <laughs> not. I'm not trying to assault <laughs> but you. Know that, that, you know that's what you want. No. Yeah. But you don't, they don't have player versus player yet. That, but that's maybe what when I want. they do? That's what okay, I want. When, when they have player versus player, maybe you'll join. I'll let you know. That's when I'll join for sure. Okay, I'll let you know. Perfect. <laughs> so I was talking earlier about Donald Trump, and I was talking to former professor James Spetzer, which you heard. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he's kind of in the middle, I think, with, with Trump. He seems to like some things and other things he doesn't. Talk, uh, he gave him a B. I from, don't know. B is pretty good. Uh, yeah, B is good, but I, I've talked to him off air. And, okay. And I've heard him on, on other places, and I've been told some things. And, you know, he's he's high on him, but sometimes he's not for certain okay. things, even though he doesn't really throw that out there at times. And, you know, I, I can't really can't really bag on him too hard. Yeah. I can't I mean, really bag on any of these people too hard because I've never been in office you know, I, I, I never been there. I don't know how any of that goes down. So it's a, it's a terrible and difficult job to do. I, I could only imagine. Doesn't matter what side you like. That's a tough job. Yeah. I would not want to be his wife. And then you're, I, under the, like tough... you're under the public eye all the time and yeah, the wife. Yeah. I, did you, did you see the whole hand slapping thing? Yeah. That was funny with the pinky. I, I have to be honest with you. I kind of find that funny. It is funny, and but that's like, I mean. It's kind of telling, though. It's kind of telling. It is, but the opposite sex, like, is weird. Maybe they were, like, arguing. That's what I'm thinking. They were probably getting into some sort of argument, and that's what led Yeah, but she needs to, like, she needs to chill because they're, like, under eyes. You know, like, they're being watched. It's not a good look. No, it doesn't look good at all. It doesn't look good. Yeah. It doesn't look good. But I don't think she likes him. Like, based on, like, her, her, like... I'm glad I'm asking you this because I definitely wanted a woman's perspective on this. Yeah. Especially with all these things going on with, with the porn star and all these other women. Uh, yeah, I don't Melania think she can't like... Yeah, she can't like it. I mean, everyone out there who's been in a relationship, obviously, you know there there's issues. There's got to be. 
behind the scenes, there's got to be issues. Even, like, their body language. Like, you could just tell. Like, I don't think she's into him at all. (laughs) You don't think so? You think after? No, not even a little mm -hmm. bit. Not even a little bit. Not into him, huh? No. I mean, can you blame her, though? Not at all. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think she signed up for this. No. Not at all. And and by the way, uh, Paris Hilton, another one who's getting on the rape train, um, she's saying that um, a leaked 2004 sex tape was like being raped, and she set this in some sort of new documentary. Her her sex tape, The One Night in Paris? I think that's what she's referring to, yeah, with uh, Rick Solomon. Is that the guy? Uh, yeah, which know. leaked in 2004. Yeah. So, yeah, that that should be him, right? I guess, yeah. Well, I mean, I she only had two. one. I think there was okay, only so one. Only, okay, if she only had one, then, um, yeah, that's like being raped. She looked like she enjoyed it. I remember I saw it a long time ago. You saw that? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I've ever saw that. No? No, to be honest with you, it's I don't think not, I did. I remember seeing it, like, in a funny way. Like, I remember it was funny because she's, like, staring at the camera the whole time. I've never, like, posed. I've just never been into her. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, it's more like a funny thing. Yeah, no, I understand, but I meant, like, I, I've never been into her enough where I'm, like, I'm going to actively seek out the video for it. You know, you know what I mean? I wasn't that into her. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. She's a smart woman, though. She is. Good businesswoman, though. Yeah, despite but... What, what, despite what anyone thinks, I, I think she's done uh, some pretty good moves. Well, yeah, but remember, I mean, she comes from money, so it's a little easier. Well, of course, of course. Yeah. It's not like she started from the ground up, you know what I mean? Yes. Well, you know how I am. I always put everyone over. At least a you little. You do? Kinda, a little bit. Tiny kinda. bit. I give everyone a little credit. Yeah, you're too nice. Yeah, but then I start saying the rape train. And Amy Schumer, you will never put her over. No, that, that's, that's a name that I'll never put over. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's just awful. I hope she finds out about you hating on her and she comes on your show. Well, I mean, she's not going to be surprised. I mean, I'm not the first one to say these derogatory <laughs> things about, you know. I know. Derogatory. All, derogatory. All harsh. <laughs> but yes, I have been very, very critical. Yes. But for good reason. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to save the listeners out there from wasting their time on Amy. But then again, she does that on her own. Mm-hmm. Wasting 10 bucks on her movies. Got $10 for that? Yeah, that, I would be so pissed. I'd be upset. Yeah. Imagine imagine being uh, a random that's guy. That's rape train. Actually, yeah, that's rape. To, that's rape train. <laughs> yeah, that's being, that's like getting raped and going to see one yeah. of her films. <laughs> That's what I'd say after watching one of her films. I'd be like, I was raped. Mm-hmm. I was raped and by charged. that film. And charged for it. Jesus. Speaking of which, what was the last film you saw? I saw A Quiet Place. In the theater, right? Yes. Oh, a Quiet Place. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've heard good things about that film, but... It is really good. Don't know actually. a goddamn thing about it. I didn't... When I went in, I didn't know what it was about. I just... I You know, I... I saw that it was like a scary movie and I was like, I'll just go in. But I thought I was going to, it was going to be like ghosts or something like that. And no, it's monsters and it's amazing. It was really, really good. Very nice. Very nice. And another thing that uh, Jim Fetzer said earlier, and Mm -hmm. he said this in passing, he said that Michelle Obama had a package. Oh, that she's a dude. That's what he was (laughs) insinuating. That her, That her name is Michael. I was like, how goddamn dare you? 
I don't think so. I, think I don't think so woman. either. I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think she's a man. I've been hearing, I've been hearing that for a while now. I'm just not buying it. Yeah, I don't think so. They say her name was Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think she's a woman. She, yeah. I mean, she, she's mm-hmm. masculine and all that, but I don't think she's, I don't think she's a dude. I don't think that's a guy. No. I can't even believe we're talking about this. <laughs> I know. Your second half, so I don't know, they get kind of controversial. They get kind of, kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> it really does, but I mean, it's not the first time that sort of uh, thing has been going around. <laughs> Everyone talks about that. Yeah, I don't think so. Though. But I think people no. just say things sometimes, uh, uh, like they're they're just like they're just uh, repeating they're just anything. Like, yeah, and like dissing her just because yeah. they don't like her. That's you know? that's the whole Twitter mob mentality. Yes, exactly. People just jump on something, right? Mm-hmm. I think you might be right. They call her a dude, and they call a Melania a whore. That's kind of like how they do. That's kind of how they do things. But like you know, they're just being mean for no. Like they're just you know, like come on. Like I'm sure you could insult them for other things. You know. That's true. Yeah. You're right about that. <laughs> it's a it's a tough gig. Yeah. For anyone. It is. Mm-hmm. Tough gig for anyone, and I don't think any of this is gonna go away either. No. But I will say, um. Michelle Obama, she looked like she enjoyed it, like being being you know, there, being the floatist. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think Melania wants to be there at all. She don't look too happy, huh? No, not yeah, at all. She look I don't very even know. Happy. I'd be I'd be pleasantly surprised if she lasts like I feel, four years. I feel him. kind of bad for these people, to be honest. <laughs> like I even feel bad for Trump for just being there. Uh, yeah, I, I you know, know I feel bad for anyone who's the president. I'm just like, God yeah. damn, that's a that's a stupid job. It's a hard but, job, but it's like, why the hell would you want to do that? You know what bothers me really quick? How people, they hate, like, Trump. But I remember back in the day, people used to hate Bush. I remember they hated him. A lot him, of people hated and, Bush, yeah. But now they love him because they hate Trump so much that they love Bush all of a sudden. You know, I've, I've heard I've heard it both ways, though. Lots really? of folks, Yeah, lots of folks um, praised Bush, and then now they hate Bush. Really? I mean, yeah, because he he's, he's, he said his comments is he hasn't been funny. very. I will say he's funny. I find him way funnier than Trump. <laughs> no, that's true. He has a good sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, I remember he used to say funny things. Like yeah. he used to have like lines that were like really funny. Like um, internets. I remember internets came from him. That's true. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. He he is very funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure uh, Trump would be even funnier if he was. Uh, being more of himself, I don't really think he's being himself at times. Really? I mean, uh, I don't know. Really quick, have you been following the Kanye thing, the Kanye Trump thing, Kanye West? I believe someone had sent me an email and I clicked the link and there was like a related article underneath it. You know how they do that. Yeah. And I clicked the link and I saw a photo of him with his hair kind of dyed blonde. Well, he pretty pretty much like... What was that all about? Well, he's been like tweeting that he's MAGA and all that stuff. <laughs> That's funny. And and he yeah, and you know he met with Trump like early on and I guess he likes him, but I don't mm-hmm. know. I I don't know if it's real, if it's genuine or it's or it's just he's trying to, I don't know, cash in because he's coming out with an album. I don't know. I don't believe people. So I, I don't either. I, I question quest- everyone's motives. Yeah, me too. Like all these rape people and then they come out with books. I'm like, hmm, really? The rape train? 
<laughs> the rave train. What's been going on with her friend Rose McGowan? Actually, I was gonna look her up because I hadn't heard from her for a for a while. Actually, yeah, I've been wondering what what that crazy woman has been saying. She's crazy. She's I wonder scary. if did her. She claims. I feel, I feel like if I feel like if I get into some sort of argument with her, she's gonna like headbutt me. Yeah, I mean, if you would insult her on she's, Twitter, she'll she's like, see it. Yeah, she's so, like one of those one of those women who would definitely assault you first. She's scary. I would not want to sleep next to her. No, she'll kill you. That's a woman who <laughs> would suffocate you with a pillow or drive a knife uh, into your chest. For sure, or she might kill you with her bare hands. That's another possibility. I'm not. I'm. I'm actually afraid of Rose McGowan. <laughs> I used to like her. She seems violent. Yeah. I mean, she says Cosby is guilty. I'm sorry if you love the lie. His victims can exhale. That pill, Cosby. <laughs> Damn. This whole time, he was on the rape train. Yeah. He's an original rape rape gangster. The OG rapist. Yeah, I think so. I think so. God damn. I don't know. I don't, I don't know actually, to be honest. I mean, I'm sure he did do things, but I love Arnold Schwarzenegger and I'm sure he did shit too. You're like a big Arnold Mark. Yes, I am. I but, will always bring him up. Every but time then I can. again, but then again, I, I love some of his movies too. So, you know, I can't talk that much shit. You watch him. Okay. I do. I know <laughs> I do. do. Yeah. Yeah. I'll ask you and you'll be watching his movies. So is, don't even go there. <laughs> is, is he okay though? Don't. I hope. I would, I would cry. He would be one. I'm not one to tweet about celebrities that pass away, putting rest in peace or any of that. But you need some heat on that. I will feel Arnold's death. I will really feel it like. Yeah. You will, you will drop to your knees and cry? I won't drop to my knees, but I'll cry. You'll, it'll be <laughs> like a scene from Platoon. You'll drop down dramatically. And, well, I don't know. Or maybe. jets pass over your head. I can't tell you how I'm going to feel, but I really, I really, I would be really sad. Yeah, you'll be I, broken up. I would, yeah, yeah. you'll be broken up by it. I understand. There's some, um, there's some comfort in watching Arnold. It, it gives you that nostalgic feeling. Yeah, but he's 70, you know, he will die. Good Lord. He's already 70, <laughs> huh? Yeah, I mean, these people are old. They were old even when we, when we were young. Yeah, so that's true. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Who's next, though? That's what I'm wondering. Uh, I'm going to say... What about Stallone? Is he going to drop dead next? No, because he drinks baby blood. I don't I don't think he'll die. He drinks baby blood? Yeah, you never heard that? No. I've heard that he like... Did you hear this on the on, on Alex Jones or where did you hear this? No. <laughs> no, I've heard this like for baby years. Baby blood? That, yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> Who are you talking to? No, I've heard that for years that he like maybe I'm maybe I shouldn't say baby. He's a, he's a part of the, he's a part of Pizza Gate all of a sudden. <laughs> no, but that he does something to oh, like boy. to like live forever. Shut up! I promise you, I'll look it up. I have to see this later. now. No, don't type in baby blood because I'm <laughs> baby blood. I think I said it wrong. <laughs> now I'm gonna now I'm gonna look up baby blood. No, no, don't, don't, they'll search, they'll, it'll come out in your search. I know, no shit, right? <laughs> Why were you looking up baby blood? The Michael? NSA is going to come knocking my door and there's going to be all kinds of searches. What's baby blood? How do I use it? How do you extract baby blood? No, he drinks like, he drinks something to like, to like live like, and to look young. I don't know what it is, but. I think... Human growth hormone, perhaps? 
No, I wouldn't know that. It, it is something weird. It's like weird. I, I, I can't remember what it's called, but, <laughs> but yeah. And I think Arnold did it for a while too. <laughs> I, and now I, I think all of them, I think all of them probably did something. Yeah. Something and and like, you were right about him, by the way, when you said if you look into his past, perhaps there'll be a couple of uh, rape train allegations. <laughs> For sure. I think that when he did like pumping iron, like something. Isn't that catchy like, now? Rape train? That, that sounds, that sounds fun now. Dude, I think you should come out with a shirt that says, end of days, the Michael Deacon program rape train. Hashtag rape train. Hashtag rape train on the bottom. Yeah. I'm gonna get a few knocks on my door for that. <laughs> well, Alex Jones has a shirt with Clinton on it that says rape. Oh, that's right. I, re- I recall that. Yeah, so you could get rape train sounds even better. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of, uh, afraid of a lawsuit. <laughs> he seems to be, um, fighting lawsuits left and right. Yeah, but. Jim Fetzer wasn't afraid when I brought that up. No, he got insulted. He got he all like, mad. <laughs> he got angry. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna be sued. He wanted to push me, huh? Yeah. He like, wanted to I've hit me. Done scientific research. It was amazing. I like when he gets mad. Me too. I like, him, ha- I I like, like him happy. Yeah, I like him happy. But I, I like all of his emotions, though. And all of them come out on the, during the program, too. Yeah, it's great. He's happy. He gets, he laughs. He gets sad. And then yeah, he, I think he, he gets, does sad. He gets fired up. Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was a great interview. It was. It was really good. I really liked that one. We talked about JFK, 9-11, Sandy Hook. And I like that he's willing to give you, like, time. Yeah, he, well, he loves being on here. Yeah. He, he really likes the show. He enjoys it. Yeah, he's in it. He, he's he's all he's all for the rape train. No, no. <laughs> I know. I need to stop seeing that. Yeah. yeah. I need to stop seeing that shit. Bad. I apologize, Bad folks. I, I need to stop with the tasteless banter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say it anymore. <laughs> well, I, I probably maybe will. one more time. One more I'll, time. I'll probably say it like five more times <laughs> before the night's over. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, once again, Vanessa, everyone always wants to ask me what my favorite episode is from last year and um, this year. Okay. And you know, I, I really can't answer that one. There's too many. There's too many good ones. And you don't want to pick favorites. Yeah. You know, I really can't. Yeah. Really can't do that. So I really can't answer that one. Do you have a least favorite? No, I'm just kidding. That'll get you even mm. more in trouble. <laughs> I do actually. Yeah, but don't say it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was actually going to say it too. Oh, okay. Well, no, no, you're probably right. I, I probably shouldn't. Yeah, I know you shouldn't. Cause it'll get back to them. Yeah, it probably wouldn't. It, it does. Some, some things I say gets back to those people. Yeah, but I I've think learned. I know which one it might be. I learned the hard way. I think I know which one it is. Which one? No, I'm not going to say it because okay. then I might call it out. No, I know. I'll you might, later. You might trigger me. Yeah, I'll tell you later. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, I, I do want to thank you, Vanessa, for being a part of uh, the second half here. I'm going to. Of course. Anytime. Yeah, I'm going to have to wrap it up here. I'm looking at the time. And, yeah, I've been on here long enough. Yep. Almost uh, three hours now. Wow. Oh, yes. Yeah, so it is time uh, to close up shop here. And I do want to thank you once again, Vanessa, for being a part of the program. Always fun to catch up with you here. Thank you. You too. All Hashtag right. rape train. Hashtag rape train. And I'll talk to you very soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Good night. Have a good night. Right, Bye. Bye-bye.
And there goes Vanessa, my Florida correspondent. Oh, yes. And I do want to thank all of you out there for being a part of the program here tonight. I want to thank Mr. Jim Fetzer for being a wonderful guest. Thank Vanessa there for hanging out. And, of course, Eric for the call. Very good to talk to all of you out there. And also keep in mind, if you like the program and you want to help fund this project, go to michaeldeacon.com and hit the donate button there. And any amount of money is fine with me. As long as you support the program, even if you don't want to uh, donate any money, as long as you spread the word about this program, that's all I really do want. But before I actually sign off, I, I do want to remind all of you out there that you could go and send me an email if you want, michaelendofdays at gmail.com. If you have any comments or concerns, any questions, if you want me to read anything out here, you have that's floating around in your head and you can't call in or you're too scared to call in. That's another way to get your message across. Never forget this program depends on all of you out there listening. Don't just sit there behind your phones and computers. You're always welcome to call in. I'm Michael Deacon. Thanks for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Oh my! I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, you can just see it. It's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea they should exist before 726. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the bus, and then you see the bus, and then you see the bus, and then you see the bus, and you see the bus, and then you see the bus, and then you see you the the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, motherfuckers? Successfully, at least. Flawless victory.